So, episode 18. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole to you, sir. What did we do today, Richard? We talked to Sean Baichu and returning guest uh, Fred Nguyen. Yes, yes. It was great to have uh, Fred back and to also finally get our hands on Sean, who uh, we've mentioned, we've, we've dropped his name a few times. Uh, he's an actor, he's a mocap uh, performer, he's a voice actor, uh, he's a, a stunt coordinator, stunt, stunt uh, choreographer, and uh, just, uh, just an all-around fun guy. So this time on episode 18, we talked about um, a little bit about trailers. We talked about... Sean not seeing Star Wars. Yes, being the one of the only people left alive <laughs> yeah. in North America who yeah. hasn't seen Force Awakens yet. And Fred doing the marathon. <laughs> right, what a great like contrast. <laughs> 16 hours of uh, all of the Star Wars movies before seeing the, the Force Awakens. Yeah, essentially a sit-in. <laughs> yeah. They moved into a theater for 16 hours. Um, We talk a little bit about uh, action in film, uh, violence, uh, you know, uh, simulated violence, fantasy violence, what what the obsession is with it. Yeah, both these guys do um, uh, acting and uh, motion capture, so it's interesting to hear some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Some of the stuff they've done on some video games that we may know, like you, if you've played Assassin's Creed or a couple of other titles, you've probably killed them several times <laughs> yes and we joke about that too right we talk about how how weird it is to consistently not only um, see yourself layered in video games and interact with yourself play with yourself essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> and kill yourself over and over and see yourself get aced over and over by players we had a, a nice little um uh, a nice little back and forth with that uh, that kind of vibe yeah a couple great guys he's a work he's a perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. They have... Away with you, demon. Have some respect for death, my friend. Till I die. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Any other 18s that we can think of? Maybe till I die is not the best joke to make at th- this particular week. Hmm. 18 a, in life to go. Yeah. It's been a grim fucking couple of weeks. I don't know. We were talking about that when we came in. Oh, yeah. Jesus. How many people have died? Uh, well, I mean. It's, well, how many celebrities have died? Yeah. yeah. Well, how okay. many people? It's probably in thousands. Thousands. People that we care weeks. about in our little bubble of first world um, indifference. Uh, three or four that really mattered. Yeah, David um, Bowie. David Who's Bowie. the fourth? Uh, uh, Natalie Cole is that her name? Yes, Nat King Cole's daughter. In my circle. Oh, she died. Yeah, she's gone. Uh, some. Th- well, it sounds very disrespectful, but some theater guy, some big theater person, like Canadian, passed away. Yeah, recently. Theater Stratford something. Okay, but I saw some of my theater friends about talk about him. There are there are levels of passing away. Are we talking like venerable or taken before his time? I have no idea. I don't know the details. Okay, I'm just parroting information like all 
dutiful okay. Facebook users. <laughs> yeah, it's all of our jobs. That's it's exactly <laughs> to circulate all that stuff. Right? We all have at least two jobs. One yeah. of them being <laughs> just uh, reposting uh, the garbage that comes across. So it wishing a- happy birthday when Facebook tells us to. Yes. Yeah. And then like taking your birthday off like you did, and then I did mass confusion. Yeah. And then you were like, now I know who my real friends are. I'm like, Richard, you can't do that. <laughs> yes, I can. I did it. Most people have outsourced everything to Facebook. At this did point. we talk about that before? No, we didn't talk about it before. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. I did the experiment, like, what was it, like, four or five years ago? I was like, everyone's outsourced their remembering of birthdays to Facebook. What if I take mine off? Like, normally I get, like, you know, 100. I don't want to brag. I get, like, 100. You're too something. late. Okay. Yeah. I'm, sorry. I'm super popular. So. Yes. Anyways, I took I took my birthday off, and I wanted to see how many people would wish me happy birthday. Uh-huh. I got one, and it was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that means I forgot? Yeah, yeah, you totally forgot. Shit. <laughs> well, can I be really honest? The reason I remembered the other years wasn't even Facebook. It was oh. our, our common friend, Richard Babb. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't, like, we see him twice a year, even though we're really close. <laughs> we never get to see this guy, and he's impossible to book for anything for a beer for a hangout but we love you Bab. we love you man uh but he dutifully calls up people and lets you know about other people's birthdays which he is, calls my mom to wish her a happy birthday before i do it makes me look bad wow we love you Bab. how dare you how dare you sir <laughs> so eventually we'll try to get him on the show too and maybe then he can defend himself mm-hmm. uh in the meantime uh i'd like to welcome back to the show mr fred nuyen hello Welcome back. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having for me. For our third returning guest, I think. Yes. Yeah. By popular demand. By popular demand, definitely. Yeah. We've had uh, feedback on that particular episode. People were very fond of it. Uh, I think it's one of our best. I think so. Well, yeah. And did, by one I of our best. I did like the post, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> by one of our best, that we mean, of course, that you were, you were really good. Thank you. Because we don't really bring anything to the table. <laughs> and hence the guests. And you were really, you did your job that, you did your other job besides posting on Facebook. Yes. You uh, you were there, and it was a great show, so thanks for coming back. Thanks for having on me. On this snowy evening. And uh, finally, uh, after several attempts and scheduled conflicts and other uh, shenanigans, I'm happy to have <laughs> uh, Sean Bechu, uh on the show. What's up, guys? Welcome <laughs> to Fire in a Hole. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a long time coming, man. I'm really glad. Uh, I've, we've mentioned you on the show at least a dozen times. By this point, you'll be happy to hear. I've been counting. It's uh, 14 and a 14? half. 14? 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Okay. The one time you were like, oh, on this show. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the half. That's, that was it. Yeah. But you knew that's what I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good, good. That's pretty good. So, yeah, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for making it out uh, as well. Um, so... This is episode 18. Uh, last time, last episode, if for those of you that tuned in, we uh, went to town on Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens. Actually, that was one before last. Was it? Yeah. I feel like it was the last episode. No. It was the last one that, that went live, but we've recorded one in the bank since then. <laughs> we're, we're 18 <laughs> episodes in, and I already feel like I'm mentally ill. <laughs> I can't remember who tomorrow are wishing happy birthdays and happy new years at the wrong time. I cannot confirm or deny your mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I say something, you're like, actually, Jason, that was two weeks ago, but then two weeks from now. And then right. well, I just can't keep up. So, <laughs> okay. So we did that. We did that. And then I'm guessing you guys went to see the movie. Yes. I've seen it. You've seen it, yeah. Sean? I have not seen it you yet. You have oh, not no. seen it yet. Isn't that crazy? I feel like I'm wow. going to lose all nerd credibility I have. Mm. Well, it's an exception. I know this about you. You usually you're on the on the ball when it comes to the these kinds of films. This right? is me being on the ball, actually. Is uh, it? Well, because as I get older, 
my tolerance for um, less than ideal theater experiences uh, has gone down, and it just gets worse over time. People talk and are on their friggin' phones. And oh, right, the whole the whole life. Oh, like you know, I like no, and I don't want to sound like I'm being difficult, but I I'm really someone who believes that a movie needs to be enjoyed by like having my full attention, so I can be totally immersed in the film, the you know, cinematography, the acting. The effects, the story, all that, and I find it's harder to get that in the theater now because uh, I don't know. I find people have less respect, I guess, for the for that experience than they used to. Like yeah. you know, uh, a bunch of bored teenagers will drift in halfway in and babies be talking and you know tweeting and texting and it's like I got nothing against that, but like a theater isn't the place to do it. And sure, I find it distracts me from from what's going on. Well, I mean, even the, the theaters happening. are guilty of of starting to ruin the experience, right? Um, yeah, well, they allow for that too, in a sense. But it's crazy. I mean, you know, there. Okay, the it, it was previews and then and then commercials and then now you you come in a full twenty minutes early and they've already have like some. Uh, uh, fucking quiz show with your cell phone going when you on your and you're coming in and some guys like hi it's me Joe Legendre I'm the winner <laughs> of the of the casting of the can you guess that movie all right so I'll be right back and blah 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 and you're just like already you're tense and you're being annoyed uh, before even having sat down and figured out where you're sitting right second time we went there was uh, the quiz show was actually about Star Wars oh my God yeah remember. They it was almost as bad as the Gillette ad with the uh, Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah. That uh, Richard and I's worst experience ever in a preview situation was with Man of Steel. We've talked about it on the show before, where um, literally they they ran this prolonged Gillette ad. We're waiting to see Man of Steel, and they're showing us the movie in the, like no, they're not showing Just us the, the trailer clips. Yeah. They're showing us all the action beats oh my God. while <laughs> jamming, shoving, like short of a guy coming out with one of those t-shirt cannons and blasting us in the face with uh, with Gillette razors, which would have been really dangerous and <laughs> maybe redeemed the whole experience. Yeah. But uh, short of somebody coming over and like beating you over the head with like a pack of Gillette Mach 3s, like it was the most insulting experience. <laughs> so I feel you. I feel you when you it say it's, it's well, getting it's, harder. You know, I haven't experienced that myself, but I just find over the years... Uh, my the propensity for me to go to the movie theater has gone down quite a bit because of my subjective experience each time is a little worse for wear, wear if you will. Yeah. So with Star Wars especially, there was such a big deal about it. I knew that the first few weeks surrounding the opening would be jam-packed full of people who, who you know, who are excited, and that's cool. i got nothing against that. Um, but I'm kind of that guy who's going to step mm-hmm. step into the shadows and wait until the hullabaloo to die down and... Uh, then when I did want to go around, to get around to see it, um, there was this big snowstorm, so that kind of snowed us in a bit. And then I got busy, and then things happened, and uh, fate conspired to, to keep me from it. However, I'm proud to say that this weekend... <laughs> it's on. If the stars align, I will be seeing Star Wars. <laughs> I, did, I did the goddamn 16-hour Star Wars marathon at the Scotiabank. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. My friend Pete, he, the guy I was telling you about, the yeah. rival from the last episode. Yes. This guy keeps convincing me and my girlfriend to do some crazy shit because he convinced us to do the Hobbit marathon before that. Oh, my God. And oh. that's just three movies. Let me be 100% clear here. This is a 16-hour marathon. It's episode one till seven. In a straight shot. Yeah, and we had to get there at 4 a.m. And, like, I had to take a night bus to go to the movies. Wow. 
And people were there. They were having a lot of fun, though. They were wearing pajamas. Yeah, I was going to say. They were bringing coolers in with snacks and stuff like that because normally you're not allowed to bring food in. But because we had the pass, people would just be like, yeah, just go on in. We can go out and get burgers and stuff. Well, you have to at some point, right? But it smelled so bad towards the end. Seriously, it's lived in by that point. Yeah, but you don't notice it at first. (laughs) 4 a.m., you're you're coming in. You're like, okay, I'm going to watch episode one, but... At least, you know, get those episodes out of the way. Yeah, I was going to say, prequels yeah. getting out of the way, that's good news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like how that's what you're reduced to. Oh, <laughs> have to get him out of the way. We're going to have to slog our way through one, two, three. Yeah, it's no, a colonoscopy, but, but without actual, any valuable information. Could you afterwards. just show up for episode four? You could. That's yeah. what, well, Kathy like showed up later, which was smart because she was... The sane one in the group, yeah, apparently. She's like, no, I'm, no, you assholes go. I'm going to go. I'm going to sleep. Yeah, no kidding. And But, you know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> going to see the bands that you want to see. And then yeah. you show up late because you don't care about the three curtain jerkers. Um, okay, so you sat through the whole thing and then Force Awakens? Yeah. Wow. Well, what was good about that is that I wasn't born when the original trilogy was in theaters, so I wasn't able to experience those films in the movies. So it was a fun experience for that, even though it was the George Lucas edited version. Okay. Still, to me, it was cool to see that in the theaters. So you're just looking at me like moment. I'm old enough to have seen them when they came I out. Am. I'm not. You're not? I'm not old enough. Not Richard either. No. Stop it. You're lying, <laughs> sir. <laughs> okay, but I'm just saying that in general, I wasn't there. So, so you could say that you were fortunate enough to see the original ones on the big screen yeah. and you were unfortunate enough to see to the see through the prequels on the big yeah, screen. exactly yeah well, so this is very interesting now <laughs> we have cancel each other out there. we have like three was, levels of experience right we have two guys who did not prep and see the old ones first uh, before seeing the new ones and we actually went to see the new one twice second time so we'd have a fresh um, you know we could approach it freshly when we reviewed it uh, you actually sat through the whole stretch, everything, everything Star Wars, uh, short of the Christmas uh, special yeah. uh, and uh, the Ewok movie, which everyone forgot. Well, there's also the Clone Wars series. Yeah. yeah, that would have uh, been insane. Imagine. Well, I wouldn't have sat through all that. That's what, six seasons? <laughs> six, se- six seasons of Clone no. Wars playing on another screen off on the side. No, playing simultaneously yeah. with the film. Because this is what happens during this time. <laughs> They're just carrying people out on like stretchers. <laughs> I love Star Wars. What was the, the, the crazy part, though, is that, you know, the, like? all those, the first six movies, you could just watch them and they weren't in 3D. But the seventh one is in 3D. So people didn't know it was going to be in 3D. So the, people didn't get their glasses and they were freaking out when it started showing, oh. you know, the, the They thought it was off or? They, it was kind of blurry because you you're don't You're not have sure glasses. if you're tired or yeah. if it's a fucking <laughs> yeah. 3D effect. You're like, whoa, man, those chimichangas were a bad idea. <laughs> Just no, the 16 hours of Star Wars was a bad idea. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, that, so did you, were you even like in any way lucid by the yeah. time well, the new movie came on? When the new movie came on, I was excited because it was something new. So to me, that <laughs> that kind of woke me up in a way, you know. So, But okay. I had to go see it again just to have a fresh, not marathon mindset. You mean you wanted to go see it where you hadn't tortured yourself yeah, exactly. first for 16 hours? <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'll probably want to see it under those circumstances as well. Yeah. That's hardcore. That is literally the most hardcore way I've ever heard someone see it. Goddamn Pete. Every time he says something, you can't say no. Right. I don't know how he does this. I could probably say no, but apparently you can't. No, you haven't met him. (laughs) He's just so friendly. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Good one, Sean. Good one. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm actually, this gives us a kind of a cool opportunity to address the, the issue of trailers because now I'm very curious, uh, as someone who hasn't seen the film mm. and has probably done a lot of um, work dodging 
spoilers everywhere. I'm a goddamn ninja when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> it's it's impressive. I managed to do it with I think uh, Game of Thrones for a really long time and past the Crimson Wedding or the Red Wedding or whatever. And like I managed to dodge all of that somehow. So it is it's not easy. But as someone who has managed to sort of avoid most of the spoilers, what is your impression of of what what this film is like? Do you, you feel like do you have an instinct whether you're going to like it or not? Are you going in with an open mind? What's your deal? I'm definitely going in with an open mind. I think part of the like people are first of all they're kind of my you know people who know me well, my friends and stuff. They're all floored that I haven't seen it yet because. I'm known to be a very enthusiastic movie goer, and I was a massive, massive fan of Star Wars for the longest time until the prequels kind of calmed me down a little. Yes. As it calmed us all down. Um, but uh, my, I think I'm less invested in the hype that builds a movie up because now that I'm an adult and I'm mature and I can actually, you know, Think about the future and what my ex- and manage my expectations. I realize that in almost every single case, hyping a movie up doesn't actually make it better; it makes it worse, right? Because yeah. your expectations aren't met, right? So, or they spoil the movie. Yeah, well, that's it exactly, and that's one of the things that I find seriously impacts my enjoyment of movies is how much I know about them beforehand. And the, the purpose of a preview is to sell you on the idea that this movie is going to be good. Well, it's Star Wars. I don't, I don't need to be sold on the Seriously. idea. I'm going to go see it regardless. Um, but yeah, but that's that's the thing. It's They give away so much now in previews, even unwittingly, right? And I'm not trying to you know build myself up here to, to be some super smart person, but my brain is a very analytical thing, and I have this uncanny ability to take little bits of information, stills, photos, even like depending on the context they're presented to me and draw all sorts of links between them. And when I'm watching a film, a little part of my brain, that part will never really quite shut off and it'll work stuff out for me to spoil the film. Like, like oh, you, this must be the part where, you know, this You're one of these people that or, figured out like the sixth sense halfway through the movie type thing? No, I got it. Like that film was a nice twist and I, I don't sit there trying to work out you know whether or not the film is trying to get the better of me. It's little things like, you know, let's see. Let's say you see a Star Trek preview. Um, that's a bad example because those things are just awful now. But like, let's say you see a Star Trek preview and Kirk, you know, he he falls down a pit. And sorry, you see Kirk wearing a blue shirt. Okay, and then in the film he falls down a pit, and they're like, oh no, Kirk's dead. Oh my god. And you're like, I haven't seen him wearing that blue shirt, saying that cool line that he said in the previews, so it has yet to happen. There's no way he's dead. Right. And then he shows up 10 minutes later wearing the blue shirt, saying the cool line, and you're like, yeah. Okay, you really kind of put in. two and two together. Right, <clears throat> that, that kind of thing. And like, you know, you add to the fact that Facebook is full of people who are less than subtle. They try to be clever and say things that are cryptic. Right. But then I pick, I see right through that crap and, uh, you know... A benign thing, you know, someone will say combined with another benign thing, someone else will say two weeks later, and then I'll put those two things together and go like, "Oh, I bet you the reveal that this person is this and this and this, whatever." So yeah, that sucks. So with that in mind, it's a horrible uh, feeling. You know, Star Wars. I figured if there's any film I can really go in and not have any expectations built up by what I've seen or, or all the ridiculous amount of speculation. Who's Kylo Ren? And he- six reason why Kylo Ren is Luke Skywalker and all yeah. this bullshit online and I'm like <laughs> I don't want to read into any of it I don't want to even entertain the, the like you know even when people talk about stuff like wouldn't it be cool if I don't 
want okay. to talk about that stuff because I wanted the movie 100 percent to tell me. So if I put it in in in, in much simpler terms, just in terms of concepts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this could be maybe a cool exercise to do is. What are the elements that you think should be in that film? If not, not specifics, not like, well, there needs to be a scene where R2 explodes. I'm talking about like, um, that was that was my dork voice. Um, uh, what do you think are the, res- what's the recipe as far as what are the things that a new Star Wars movie like this, what everything that's, all the weight that's on it needs to get right or to address in order for you to be able to walk away and say, all right, this is in the right neighborhood? Well, first of all, I think that's a bit of a dangerous question because it it ties into expectation, right? If I go and say, well, I want Star Wars to have, you know, I think there should be, you know, a a lot of Jedis and the Sith and the Force and there should be this and that and the other. If that doesn't show up, I might, you know, be disappointed. I'm I'm really and honestly 100% open to discovering a brand new story or direction or even style as long as this is my golden rule for everything the story is good the story sticks together if the story is no good i don't care how many lightsabers or how good the action is i'm not gonna i'm not gonna enjoy it if the story is full of holes and doesn't make sense you know the rest i can forgive but a bad story i just can't forgive like yeah. like often so i read once i wish i remember who had written this um because i thought it was very insightful but that someone had read written that the reason why star wars works so well is that Star Wars is a Western, that it's, so it takes place on the frontier, you know? And I think that's really the best setting for Star Wars because it's got the whole Wild West that's kind of juxtaposed with... It comes from that tradition. I mean, Japanese samurai thing, too. Like, they kind of juxtapose the two in very kind of obvious ways, too. Some of it's not even all that subtle. I mean, the Force is what, like... Taoism, or is it loosely based on? I, I know I looked at the Asian guy when I asked this question. How but dare you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's—I mean—it's clearly based on Asian kind of mysticism. Philosophy, philosophy. But I think it's more on the, the the archetypes. You know, Han Solo is the arch- archetypical. The Ronin, or the, the, no, Han Solo is the gunslinger, right? And the Obi-Wan, puckish rogue. Obi Wan is the venerable, the you know, swordmaster, right? And you know. Robes, um, right so like the frontier aspect i think works really well for star wars and i think when the prequels and i'm not, not that i want to bash the prequels uh but when the prequels moved on to you know council meetings and coruscant and politics and trade disputes like just saying it i'm falling asleep yeah that's seriously the kind of thing that's not interesting star wars is such a fascinating immensely creative universe and you take the most boring concepts possible and try to write a story about them, it's not going to be the best story you can have. So I think that's at its core what needs to happen for the new film is it needs to have a bit of a, an interesting story that lends itself well to the Star Wars brand. Okay. How much of the old, how much of the recall, how much of the old stuff should there be in there if you if you got to decide that? And how much of the... New, new frontier. Like we're talking percentages of the pie here. We're talking twenty eighty. Uh, we're talking. Uh, uh, well, 50, I don't want to put out strict numbers because uh, you know, we're spitballing. We're spitballing. Uh, but I mean, because you know, it, it could range all the way, literally, from like a cameo or a, or a, a hint, all the way to hey, Chewy, how's it going? You know what I mean? Uh, it really depends how it's how it's done and how it's used. Like for example, in a good example is in Winter Soldier, okay, 
phenomenal film. I love. Yeah, that well, film. Captain America. From when uh, was quite when good. what's his name? Agent Sitwell is getting interrogated by Cap and Falcon, and he's like, "Who are you spying on?" And he's like, "Banner and someone else and Stephen Strange and blah blah." Just dropping that name, like you could. It was as as though a million voices cried out in fanboyism. Right. Right. Like though that was really effective. It was tiny. They didn't mention it later, but for people in the know, little like, Easter eggs. Oh my little... god, that was amazing. You know, so like that can be potentially more effective than, hey, it's Boba Fett. He's still alive thirty years later, and he's back in the story with these new people. Yeah. And, you it know, looks like, like Hollywood Squares. Remember that show where it was like <laughs> they were bringing out the half dead has beens and never was as of yesterday. You just have to be careful with fan service. I think is what it boils down uh-huh. to because there's paying an homage to the source material which is essential I think especially with Star Wars which is known for the its mother, brand the and mother its franchise of brands, yeah. exactly yeah. but there's also fan service which is dangerous which is the primary failing of the of the first three movies it was just utter non-stop fan service uh, with no thought of story or canon uh, which ruined everything so if there's too much fan service in the new ones I think it could get in the way of telling a story, especially in light of setting up a larger universe, the next two films or the 700 more. Yeah, clearly this films is a, he's gonna this is a beginning of a whole new thing. chapter. Right? But it's hard for me to talk about this because uh, even though I've been careful not to read a single review, I've been open to um, just opinions, impressions, and impressions yeah. from my friends. Which have ranged from I loved it, uh, it succeeded. I felt like a kid again. Uh, it was the first time I've seen a Star Wars movie since the original ones. Ranging from that all the way down to it's a travesty. I hated it. It's a travesty. It's a goddamn joke. Have you um, heard it's worse than the prequels? Has anyone no, actually uttered those words? That. No. But our good friend uh, Dave, uh, he who 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 loves to hate uh, a lot yes, of things. He does. Uh, he he. He's acting as though like he's personally slighted wow, really? by the film, uh, which is something like I felt too when I watched the prequels and I've grown out of as I realized that there are far more important things in life than getting upset over a sure. film, uh, which has kind of tempered my enthusiasm for this one as well. Because I'm like, which is, it's a nice place to be in now. Like when I was in my 20s, I didn't understand this feeling. I'd be like, it's got to be the best thing ever. Or else I'll be so... But well now I'm 42 and I'm like, oh, you know, what if it's bad? I'm like, then it's just a bad movie. I'll turn on the Xbox. Like, what if it's amazing? Great. I can't wait to have one of those experiences again in my life. And what if it's just average? And I'm like, well, then that's probably what we're going to get. Right. And, you know, that'll well, be what it, what it is. All spoilers it's, aside, since the only thing I'm comfortable to say, taking away from what you said is when you said, um, I hope that it makes me feel, or some people said made me feel like a kid again, or it gave me that good old time feeling. Would you would you agree that um, n- saying nothing else about the film, that it, it achieved that for you? Well, I mean, I was not a kid when they came, the movies came sure. out. So, but okay. I personally, I enjoyed it. Okay, so you're also you, starved and dehydrated for 16 yeah, hours. But I went to see it again a second time. And they they punish you down. Like it's, an, it's like a, a Guantanamo Bay thing. Yeah. I mean... I, I was satisfied. That's all I, I'll say. Richard? Yeah. I said it before. I'll say it again. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, when I see a film, there's two types of experiences I find I have. Well, that's not true. There's three types of experiences. <laughs> there's the experience which I can't stand being in the seat and I want to leave and it's Man of awful. Steel. Yeah. Man of Steel. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Um, then there's the middle of the road experience where I see a film and I leave and I'm like, yeah, it was okay. There's some cool you scenes. Know? Yeah. And then there's the films where, 
like throughout the film, I hear myself audibly going like, oh, ooh, like I can't contain myself, like concepts, uh, lines, acting, editing, effects, music, any you're, one of these like things. Like your brain's on fire. Just like light my brain on fire and I just can't sit still and I, I just have such a great time. I witnessed that moment when Sean was saying like, ooh, ah, when we were watching the finale of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Season three. Yeah. See, like, and every t- during the fight good. with the Fire Lord, some good Sean stuff. Because like, oh, oh, expectations uh. go up too. Like, let's say I'm seeing a really cool lightsaber duel, and I'm invested in the fight, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, please don't mess it up. Don't do something stupid yeah. or bad, or don't drop the ball. And if they manage to keep that up all the way through, then it's just the best. Rich, thing Rich ever, and I you know? actually experienced what you're disca- describing uh, during our first viewing of uh, The Force Awakens. Is and that's probably maybe even the reason we went back to see it a second time is because I think we were so f- afraid. <laughs> we're like not again not not again right yeah. that we were like listening to every line of dialogue every inflection we're like ooh, ooh ah, ah. we're like walking <laughs> on eggshells internally yeah and then once that was over we're like okay good yeah, it was, yeah all right so then now then we went no, back it's okay to go, <laughs> i know and i have that same relationship with films too where anxiety especially if it's a film you're invested in wanting it to be good like yeah. avengers 2 for example like i went in to see that film and just based on the preview, I was so convinced it was going to be just the best thing ever because the first one was so good. I figured yep. the second one would be even better. The preview certainly seemed Hulk to support Buster. that. That's all. Hulkbuster Hulk stuff. Hulkbuster had me. So I was like, you had good. me. <laughs> um, you had me. And that was a case of really of so much of the movie being spoiled by the previews. Like yeah. The preview was so good, I realized, because it took so many of the best parts of the film I mean, the film's okay, but like the those moments where you go, oh my they god, that's away, so cool. They gave away these moments. I had right? almost none of them. They're, the they're doing that more and more. I, f- I feel the same way with uh, Batman versus well, that's, Superman. That's ridiculous. Though. That's like the perfect that's, example that's the of that film. But I mean, Avengers wasn't that bad. But the point is, like, that's the preview that the, that's the experience that made me say, you know what? No more. I'm not gonna. What's the point of getting the preview? The, you know, like to me, seeing the preview is like, oh, I can't. I literally can't wait for the film to come out. So I'm gonna. Get a tiny little piece and try to, you know, live. I think you can watch the teaser. You just can't watch like the preview that comes yeah. out, like a, but the you know, two, like a month or two before story preview. Yeah, yeah. And especially because, like, you know, the the people who make the preview aren't necessarily or often aren't the people making the film. They're not beholden yeah. to the same kind of restraint the mm-hmm. filmmakers would have. And by that point, it's out of the creative's hands, right? Yeah, it's like uh, Genesis Terminator was a good example. Like uh, the the director himself was like, I don't know why they did that. I didn't want them to do it, but it wasn't his call. It seems like a year ahead of time, they give you like an image, right? It was just like with the prequels, it was the the Darth Vader with the helmet, you know, and just like a yeah. And then and then this is a, you know maybe like six months before, then you get like the geek teaser trailer where there's just like little snippets and just people who kind of know what the story is all about they'll understand what's going on and then like a month before the movie comes out they feel like they need to get everybody on board like everybody's mom and dads and so they just give away the entire plot of the movie yeah that's it's like a panic panic so never watch that trailer and that seems to me to be fuck that trailer (laughs) fuck that trailer it's proof they don't have confidence in the film so they just Yes, give away. I think exactly. They, the they, they play their biggest cards or best hands right away in the hopes that that'll sell you. But that I blows agree. my mind. And then mind. you show up and you're like, yeah, but you got nothing left to, to offer me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's, it. If it's some yeah. little little engine that could film, like I can understand the panic there where there was a big risk, a big gamble in, in, in dollars, you know, like uh, 
a water world or whatever where like it's not a license that exists it's not it's there there uh maybe even the other the other our water world the the more most recent water world was um uh the uh what was it called it was the warshawski disaster so oh the jupiter ascending. jupiter ascending i was gonna say uranus descending <laughs> uranus <laughs> rising yeah so um there I can see the panic because they're like, okay, the, these these licenses. Sorry, I really have to jump in. It should be Uranus ascending. Your yes, there we go. Uranus, Uranus ascending. Ending. Come on, you're the poet. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Carry on, please. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, yeah, I can under I could understand something with a completely new property panicking that way in the in the in the eleventh uh, hour. But I, I mentioned this before, like. Please, somebody sit sit me down in front of one of these millionaire VP guy shot callers. Look me in the eye and tell me I'm beautiful. Now, tell me that a shot of the Superman logo, a shot of the Batman logo, a shot of the Wonder Woman like clanging her like you know, logo. her things together, or just she her logo, logo, or just her rope, like seeing her rope on the side of her thigh or whatever, and then the title of the movie would not be enough to send everyone into a fucking frenzy, even if the movie is a year from now. Yeah, and the same thing applies to Star Wars. Your idea of just Vader's helmet and the breathing, you could have just put that six months ahead, and everyone would have lost their goddamn minds, and not a single person less would have come to see the movie, because even the people who don't know what Star Wars is or who don't care that much, they're not going to come across it by posters and Facebook. They're going to come across it by their friends and family who can't shut up about it? I mean, I can't go two feet without someone asking me if I've seen the movie. Well, to be fair, you live upstairs from Greg, so there is, no, <laughs> but there is seriously no other movie in my entire life that ever people, so many people have been so eager to know if I've seen it and what my opinion is of it. Yeah, right, because it's such a big event, such a big deal. Like, I'm not saying they can do it for anything, but if there's one movie you could just do a minimum of advertising for and just tease it well, you know, and have everyone come see it, it would be this. You film. know who did a, who really exposed that whole model really, really well? A movie that wasn't fantastic but was really clever with its uh, advertising was uh, Ant-Man. I don't know if you guys saw that trailer? Yeah. Where it's just uh, Paul Rudd, uh, Michael Douglas, and they're just beating on their like, like thighs. Ants. Oh, I haven't seen that. Ants. It's just the two of them going like, Ants. Ant-Man and they're just that's it that's the preview <laughs> and it's hilarious and you're immediately like this movie could suck I still I'm gonna go see it based on how how clever that was have you seen the Deadpool Deadpool billboard? was really good oh, yeah. Deadpool yeah. was killing emo- it on with the, the emoticon yeah. with yeah. the skull poop L I saw that uh, one I saw the, the romantic comedy one, one. Yeah, yeah yeah the, the Valentine's Day one yeah. is amazing yeah the <laughs> <laughs> when it looks like a romantic comedy what is it what's the tagline something like uh, uh, you'll, love he, never dies. Love never yes. dies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 a film that I f- keep feeling like it's not going to be good. But the advertisement has purchased the ticket. Has made me purchase the ticket. Like I'm going to buy the ticket. Well, because they have fun enough character that I'm hoping that any studio who gets their hands on him and decides to make a film will just go the obvious, not in a bad way, but the obvious route of like break the fourth wall. Yeah, have him be fully cognizant of the fact he's in the film yeah. Ryan Reynolds was born to play this character just let all it's that true. go loose keep producers out of it keep them from from messing up the essential elements the R rating is probably the best sign yeah. that's a, that that's it's going to be a good film sign, yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like they seem to be doing things right as opposed to let's say 
Fan Forstick. Uh, that's what it's written on the poster. Fan Forstick. Yeah. Uh, you know that film from the get go. People are like, "What are you doing? No!" And they're like, "School, we got it. We got this." And we're like, "Really?" And then they they showed us, and we're like, "No, you, you didn't got it." And they're like, "Yeah, we know." Is it Fox doing Deadpool? Yeah. Yeah, same people have X Men. This so. uh, this may be their opportunity to corner the R, you know, darker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, cinema. God. Yeah. Experience. Then watch X Men. The next X Men be like <laughs> <laughs> X rated. X Men X rated be perfect. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to speak to something I'm that sure you. Sure, there's a lot of porns already. <laughs> yeah. No, that's never been mine. Never. Richard Hush. Now, I can't spontaneously come up with sex names for all the X Men. I'm sure. Uh, don't make me go there, please. Uh, but you were saying earlier about seeing a movie twice, yeah. and that's, that speaks exactly to what I'm trying to say, uh, the point I'm trying to make about the, the, how previews ruin films, that you, when you first see a film, ideally, you don't know one frame to the next what's going to happen. If the film's really poorly written, you can have some idea, like, oh my god, he's probably the bad, there it is, he's the bad guy. Yeah. And then it's disappointing, right? But like, when I go see, let's say, Avengers 2, to get back to that, I'm invested in it being a good movie, so I'm giving everything a chance. Everything. Because the next frame could show me that that thing that looked weird, or that thing that looked poorly written, or that plot hole might actually be justified. They might bring home. Or explained, yeah. or whatever. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're not. But each moment to the next, I can't stop to think... Am I enjoying this? Does it make sense? Does that plot make sense? What about oh, it's really glaring, you know, inadequacies? I'm just living in each moment to each moment to the next to the next to the next. So when the movie's done, you're then kind of like, okay, you're out of moments, if you will. You kind of look back on the whole thing. You have to kind of mull it over and decide for yourself if you liked it or not. When you see a movie for a second time, you don't have that pressure anymore. Right, you don't have like you can relax. You know, yeah, I know. After this, he's gonna fight Ultron. After that, this is gonna happen, and that cool scene's gonna happen. So then you can kind of take a step back and analyze the performance. Look at the pieces, yeah. The pieces, you know, the effects, the script, uh, you know, her dialect. Oh, her dialect's a bit off. I realize now that I'm not. You're talking about the Olsen. Uh, She's awful. Isn't she? She's a great actor, and she yes. does a terrible dialect. That's on the director. I always felt that's on the director. It's they on the director, sure, to catch it, but as an actor and a voice actor, it, to me, it's on the actor to do their research sure. and hire a voice coach. Although she's been an actress for like 10 minutes, right? Like, she's Not an excuse, though. Right. Well, I'm just saying she's not exactly... Um, I mean, I would... Like, I have a much harder time forgiving, like, uh, fucking Kevin Costner. Uh, you know, <laughs> Wait, Robin who Hood. Are we, who are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, but at least he didn't uh, even try to do an accent. Scarlet Witch. Hood. Doing kind of oh, weird okay. pseudo, but to be fair, she's doing a Russian accent. It was double it. screwed uh, up because they're also doing like a fake Baltic, fake Slavic nation that doesn't exist. My problem with her accent wasn't the quality; it was the consistency. Okay, yeah, that's always weird. Like, uh, when well, this is all over, we'll have to get you home. <laughs> the last right, and you're like, Ugh, you're yeah. American. I can tell. You know Fucking I mean? DiCaprio is horrible for that. Uh, remember that he kept trying to do accents for a while. He did the Blood uh, Diamond, and he was trying to do uh, Africans. I, I actually kind of bought his really. South well, you're the expert. But first of all, South African is so hard to do. Yeah, it's hard. Eh? I can't do that accent. If it were to save my life, can't then do it. He tried and to I be really Irish. I liked him in uh, Django too. I thought his southern was convincing. It was all right. I mean, everything in that movie was kind of blown up out of proportion. But like so in Titanic, he's trying to do Irish, and it like falls apart oh, halfway I didn't even through. Notice. Yeah, it's really it's really bad. Is and they, Irish? That was Irish. They was trying to be an Irish accent, and also I think oh, I'm the king of the world. They also like. Loves me. I don't think he has that kind of facial hair, 
when they <laughs> but so they had like this like soul patchy thing like it was i hear the revenants fantastic though yeah yeah well i yeah. somebody showed me about eight seconds of the of the a bear attack scene i turned it off not because i didn't some of the it. cinematography looks just it looks insane. out of control but well, the films that where people are like you know getting injured or almost dying you're like oh this is gonna be good <laughs> i have my fingers crossed be. for the revenant but specifically for this reason because uh um i heard like DiCaprio could not be more obviously hurting for that first Oscar, right? He's been lobbying for it practically. <laughs> this is the Hail Mary. Yeah, every award show now is about zooming in on him every yeah. time he's in a category and trying to get a reaction from it. And you see him like... And the internet's waiting for that moment. <laughs> exactly. There's a meme where the, there's that still of him fighting the bear. And the next uh, picture is the bear getting bear the Oscar. <laughs> the bear getting the Oscar. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> Have you seen the Steve Harvey one? Yes. The, the guy Harvey that got like, it wrong. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, folks. I made a mistake. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. There's a game too where you try to like put the Oscar in his hand, and it's like, you can't do it. It's, it's, it's really hard. <laughs> I've seen that too. <laughs> That's amazing. I love the internet for that shit. But uh, you know, I think honestly, I think that uh, Tom Hardy is probably going to get uh, an Oscar, and whoever. Um, uh, whichever female actress is in it is probably going to get a supporting. I think they're going to screw him. I have a feeling they're going to shaft him because the Academy has a tendency of kind of once they've passed you over for something big, that's kind of it. They've decided you're not an Academy darling and mm. you don't tend to get a late Oscar the, down the The Oscars are a bunch of bullshit. Of course, though, of course. That's I what mean, I'm saying. And I, I mean, I understand the actors who are up for it would like to win one because it's prestigious, but... It's, it's don't pure ego. It's anything. a pure ego play. They don't mean anything. It's all a bunch of politics and yeah. garbage. And, like, Leo probably shouldn't care about getting But that's Oscar, because he has everything you know? else, right? But that's it. At this point, I guess, why not? It's that one thing. That He's got yachts full of models. He's got money up the ass. They just give him a Golden Globe. Yeah, well, that... And I was then just... they put The Martian as a comedy in order to give uh, Matt Damon one. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Maybe well, he could just melt all his Golden Globes down and make an Oscar. Song. All I saw yeah. of the Golden Globes was Ricky Gervais' uh, like bits, and he destroyed the award show again. It's so meta to watch him do it. I, I recommend you YouTube it. He literally is like, well, you know, I think we can all agree that these awards mean nothing. Uh, Jim Carrey, too, did a bit. Did you see yeah, his Yeah, I bit? saw that. that was, did he do a bit, too? No, yeah, how every... Every day he's like he, he doesn't just like get up in the morning that he's two-time Golden Globe winner. <laughs> That's getting right. up in the morning, but all he wants is to be three-time Golden Globe winner. Well, I mean, Gervais, Gervais literally said he puts one in his ass. Yeah. He's the presenter, and he said he, he keeps, keeps one, one on his bedstand to put up his ass, and he's like sipping beer. Like uh, clearly, at this point, um, you know, it's a, it's an exposed. And I, the Oscars can be far behind as being sort of a uh, you know. It's what do they mean, though, really? What? Well, I guess it's also because it doesn't really matter anymore if things get exposed or not. Now it's all views, it's all hits, it's all clicks. Yeah. Right? Like it used to be, uh, I think that's a good point. I think the, the Oscars used to... 20 years ago, this would have been hurt. They would extend the shelf life of a, of a film, if you will, right? If, if some film, you know, Raging Bull comes out and you, you know, can't, you know, TiVo that when it plays on the movie network, however many months after and it comes out... You know, when Raging Bull was out and then it win a bunch of Academy Awards, like, you know, they'd show it again or when it'd come out on VHS or they'd do a special whatever. Like, it was always a big deal because that movie won the Academy Award or whatever yeah. the collection is of movies. It's all Academy Award winning movies. No, you're, you're you know? completely right. But now you're right. Like, now 
you know, the, the, the Blair Witch Project's a good example of that. There's a movie that was kind of at the dawn of the whole, like, viral internet sensation thing where a movie that costs next to nothing to make, which wasn't that great a movie, if you think about it. It, it was, was innovative. Not, it was in, innovative. Yeah. It was innovative. But was it a good film? No. It was... Maybe the first made, time through. It made me motion sick. Really? Yeah. I sat down in the theater. I had to okay, get up yeah. in the middle of the film. I went all the way to the back of the theater to be as far from the screen uh, as possible. Because there was no shaky cam back then. And I needed to puke the whole time because it was just yeah. like the whole shaky cam thing. I just couldn't. Well, I, I, but the point is that movie did super well because it didn't win. I don't think it won any awards. Nothing big. But because word of mouth and the internet and, and you know, now that's even before Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Now something can become gigantic just because enough people are behind it it doesn't even have to be good you know it was also a more naive time you know a lot of people thought that that was real if there was a oh yeah when people, people the internet had that air of mystery about it where never could you do that today yeah so yeah, yeah. No, we're there's a lot of cynicism today and we're, wi- we're wiser understandably so <laughs> or well, at least in, more, in a way yeah. more connected in some yeah. ways but yeah. not in others <laughs> well our very first episode of Fire in a Hole we were I th- or first or second episode yeah first episode we were bitching I was bitching I say we I'm trying to spread it around but I was uh ranting about the um, VMAs I think it was and there's no greater proof that these award shows are just basically um, what I think what they're they're still the only interest that's left is that they're very rare live shows we have almost no live programming anymore right so they're like the last vestiges of the live environment and Whereas I almost, even as a kid, used to watch award shows because I wanted to see thing, things go wrong. This was like a game I used to play. I wanted to see someone be too drunk to accept their award or like fumble their paper or be played off because they were going on too long or whatever. Now that's actually everyone's joined me in this game. Like, right? Nobody remembers who actually fucking won anything at the VMAs except Beck because... Kanye interrupted and yeah or Jennifer Lawrence fell down when she was going up the stairs or something right this is what people retain now right this these are why we have these shows we want to see if they can fuck up because everything else they do is super controlled and I think a a major factor in in why award show shows aren't as interesting anymore and are not as popular is because back in the day before again before social media before Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff the stars were kind of, you know, Hollywood stars, at least to me, were almost mythical. They were this cast of people that lived in a place I would never go to and never see and never meet. And you didn't know what they were up to in their secret lives when they weren't making movies. They were just living in Beverly Hills doing their thing. And then a few times a year when their achievements would be celebrated, they'd come out, wear a tux, and you'd be like, oh, there's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, look at Jack Nicholson. Oh, cool, there's whoever. And you'd, you'd get to see them, like, not on the screen. But it's the only time you'd get these stars out of the context of the films because people were, as they are today, really hungry and to, to know about their lives and their personal lives and who are they married to or dating or what are they up to or whatever. Because you want to, you know, you want them to be accessible to you. Sure. And now the mystery's gone. Yeah, there's like... Right, twenty four seven. You can follow coverage. Arnold Schwarzenegger on Twitter, on his website. I'm guessing uh, there's so many ways you can Google anybody and get all sorts of you know interviews and sound bites and videos and and their social media and let me even the stuff they don't want you to see, right? Yeah. Even the when they yeah. flip someone off or yeah. they threw up 
or at a, at a junket or whatever. Like <laughs> drunk it's all and eating a hamburger or whatever, right? And the star himself is not even intervening in the like he's not even asking for that stuff to be removed anymore because that's okay. Two days later, it's we're moved on to something else. Exactly, no one cares, right? But the mystique to me is gone in a, a sense little bit, yeah. that I can literally, you know, tweet something out about a film I saw. You know, tweet to Fred, but like put in, let's say, Bruce Willis's Twitter handle in there because I'm making a comment about him. And there's a chance, however remote, that that person will see or even interact with that thing. I mean, I don't do a lot of tweeting, but I know people who tweet at people all the time and then get super excited and take screen caps of their yeah I Twitter page to show everybody that, oh my God, look, Adele. Retweeted my thing. Well, you know? Jerry Conway reached out to us, right? Yeah, I don't, I'm not putting it down because <laughs> it's a fun thing. But that's yeah. my point. Is like we didn't solicit that. That was we cool. didn't solicit that's why it, right? Cool. And, and that was like a nice surprise, and and, yeah. and that was great. But my my point is that it's so much more possible now. For if, if I really wanted to reach, let's say, even accidentally, I could do so. Yeah. Even accidentally, yeah. The other week, uh, last week, or yeah, I think it was last week. I watched uh, Marco Polo, uh, uh, One Hundred Eyes. Have you mm. seen that? I really want to get your feedback on it. I haven't it. watched that yet, but oh my god, I, I like that. Fred, and I, Fred, it's you're gonna watch it and you're gonna scream. It's gonna, it's like a scream. mini version of the Serenity experience. What are you talking about? Uh, uh, One Hundred Eyes. Marco Polo is a, is a Netflix show. Yeah, and um, they did a spin-off where one of the characters is a kung fu master who trains Marco Polo. He's played, blind. He's played by Tom Wu. Uh, I guess you guys don't know who Tom Wu is, but he's incredible. He's blind. The character's blind, but his, he's named Hundred Eyes because he can see with his, you know. Yeah. Okay. And, and he's a really good performer in fight scenes and martial arts and stuff like that. And so they made a spinoff with that character. One one episode, I guess. Was. It's like it's a thirty minute prequel to the the the, the he first. He's not season. blind in that one yet, is he? No. Okay. You you get to see all of that, haha. <laughs> yeah. But that guy, not only is it beautifully done, not only is the choreography for my you know, uh, humble standpoint. Uh, Brett Chen from Vancouver. Okay, who is a big deal? Well, I know him, but I don't. Okay, I think to me this is probably the um, the thing that I'll know him on is Marco Polo. Right. Well, when you see this thing, you, you're gonna have the uh, the Firefly experience, where like you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh my god, there's only 30 minutes of this. Mm. This is better than the entire first season of Marco mm. Polo. This one 30 minute. Well, because everyone loves that character. First of all, he's great, but just once you see him, just as the central focus of the of the the episode, you're like, this could be the show. Yeah. I could watch six seasons of just One Hundred Eyes because he's so charismatic. The yeah. guy, he's beautifully like elegant, uh, and you can tell immediately that you know when he spouts that like Asian wisdom stuff, it's not hokey, it's not cheesy, um, it, it's 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 really good. But the reason I bring this up is I took to Twitter afterwards. I was like. Holy crap, 100 eyes. Jesus Christ almighty. This like I can't believe there's only 30 minutes of this fucking show. I'm dying over here or something. And the writer of the show like like the tweet, like he reached out. Right and then I and I see in his description that he's also made a bunch of other movies I didn't know that I loved. These mm-hmm. sort of not known. So even accidentally I interacted and I was able to then talk to him and tell him how I loved uh, this other film he made. I wasn't even celebrity hunting at that point. So I, it makes your point, I think, um, Sean, that it's definitely changed the game. Yeah, and I think because we people feel a bit more 
entitled, I think, to the the lives of stars because they've been made accessible. So people feel like they're entitled to share their opinions or get involved directly and whatnot. So like award shows shows can be fun for that, but like now, like people will like live tweet, right, during the entire thing, oh, right. Yeah, 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 right. That's part of it, or like. Like <laughs> it's kind of just blow my mind because it's they're relatively new if you think about it. I mean, I've been acting for almost twenty years, but like this particular aspect of the game has been around at least for me, not for far less than that. But like for example, on um, Helix, you know that show that on uh, Sci-Fi, yeah, on Sci-Fi, yeah. the two seasons. Uh, it's and, you. It's uh, 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 are you on that show? No, actually, Amber. Amber is though, right? Amber was on it. Neil, Neil Napier. Neil Napier. Al, uh, I think Allison Louder was Mando on it. I don't think Michael Mando. Okay, but a whole bunch of Montreal people, friends of mine, are on that show, um, and you know what they would do because I'd see their Twitter feeds is every single show that would play before the show there'd be like a half hour or whatever there'd be some kind of hashtag they'd float out where you could ask the cast and crew about whatever and they do like a pre-show thing where everybody's and it's on in this virtual space mm -hmm. right it's not in a studio it's not on YouTube it's not even on Skype or anything it's just in the Twitter sphere, if you will. Twitter where, sphere. Where they talk about <laughs> the show upcoming. And then during the show, nonstop, you'll have all some of the actors, not everybody's on board, but like, you know, Neil would be like, uh, oh, looks like, uh, you know, name of the actor is a backstabbing bastard, you know. And then they will answer fans as well who are like, oh, I can't believe uh, Kira. This, it's not her child, you know, like whatever. How are people actually have, watching the show and doing well, this? Well, that's it, right? And and that's the point I'm trying to make is it blows my mind. That, but it's not like, oh, we're going to make an exception. For once, we're going to live tweet during the show. Like, no, every this episode. is the new, this is the new reality Jesus. where, and I don't know what shows these are, but I've seen shows, sports shows, but other ones too, where there's a continuous uh, stream at the bottom Mm -hmm. of people's Twitter More like a Nasdaq like yeah feed seriously. At the and it's just people tweeting nonstop on like a column on the left nonstop tweeting their reactions to the show their speculations comments to the yeah. actors to the cast and crew it feels for them like it feels like they're watching it with everyone else at the same time that, that, that's that, it that's a I guess some people like that experience right and that's the point the overall point I'm trying to make is I'm talking about accessibility that's why I'm bringing this up is now the show is accessible in a way it hasn't been before for a fan that you're sitting in your living room watching your show but in this virtual realm you have with you in your pocket on, on your phone or your tablet or your computer whatever you have the stars you have other fans you have everyone else who's kind of there with you you're operating like a command center of tweet feeds but there's a chance that you'll mention something and then the you know you're you know that neil napier might favorite your tweet or answer directly back to you and then you're like oh my god i just watched a show that has this again mythical distance from me because i'm sitting on my couch in verdun and this is being shot in la and yet that star who's on tv right now is a real breathing living physical person who just reached out and moved yeah. their thumbs and now i'm getting a message this is like them, the, this is know? the the light side of all of this right because uh oh and there's plenty of dark too, there's be sure. people like there's people being literally driven off the social media because of the nastiness mm -hmm. like people literally quitting all social media interactions being because of just fan hostility and and you 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 get that you feel like a bunch of them are not even like actually mad at the star they just want to delight in like the like well, pulling someone quit. down from the stars you know just we didn't quit twitter just presumably because of you just 
couldn't take. I don't know what people are hating on him for. He was probably really magnanimous at first and open to everyone. Well, think about that. They crawled up his ass probably. It's hard. I can't really address this because I don't, you know, I have 615 followers. So it's, yeah. I'm hardly uh, a Twitter. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I'm very proud. I've worked very hard <laughs> to get that. Uh, but, you know, like I personally can't imagine, like, you know, what's the big deal if people are being mean to you on Twitter? Just friggin' ignore them or have some fun with them back, I guess. But I've never been harassed. And it could be that I, you know, sitting here in the safety of the studio with people not hating me on Twitter, uh, I think it's it wouldn't be a problem. And then you find yourself getting constant threats or, you know, whatnot, or death threats or just vile things that could probably wear on you after a while, especially if that's all you see. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you're a woman, because I know some women who've gotten some Twitter hate. For whatever reason, and you know that's a whole different ballgame. That's right down. Threats, that's like criminal. Threats, yeah. it's it's really really awful. People digging into their past to bring up things that have happened to them or they've experienced to try to hurt them. Like people like using dark. the power yeah. of the internet and social media to literally just to be mean and to hurt people. And you know it's a double edged sword, like you said. Like for the length of time I've been on Twitter which is just a couple of years I've got nothing but nothing 100% nothing but positive things from people right people reaching out hey I liked your your performance in LARPs or good job on Outlast or are you going to be in the sequel either questions or outright praise which has been nice you've been lucky well also, I also don't do anything that would provoke the ire of the Twitter sphere well, um, right. so much <laughs> we know one exception. <laughs> yes, but again, not on a scale that would warrant that kind of everybody sure. get on board. If I went to Africa and killed an endang- you know, killed a lion on a reservation, then it wouldn't matter who I am or what I've done. People would all get on board and, and, and hate me. Lawrence Olivier for Diet Coke. Hello, I'm Lawrence Olivier. I've been dead for over two years. Now, but through the marvelous technology of... Ape editing. I'm able to speak to you from beyond the grave. What you are listening to right now was made by cutting together things I said in my many films and interviews. Although I never would have endorsed a product like this when I was alive. My estate has determined that if I was alive, I would really want to tell you how much I enjoy the taste of Diet Coca-Cola. I think Diet Coca-Cola is really excellent, dude. It's awesome. I wish I could have some now, but I can't because I'm dead. But take it from me, Lawrence Olivier. Make it thy mouth alive with Diet Coca-Cola. It's everything you want it to be. So, Fred. Um, fire in the hole. Fire in the hole to you, sir. So, Fred, last time you were here, I think there was a story that we we didn't get to. We bulldozed. We t- That's the term you used. Yeah. We bulldozed the, the whole story because there was, there was just so much to talk about. You were talking about going and training in the monastery and all this. And uh, I think there was, we were mentioning something about doing a roundhouse kick in your sleep. Oh, shit. And you were about to tell a story. And some of our fans were like, they wanted to hear that story. Well, it wasn't, it's not much of a story. It's (laughs) (laughs) just the muscle memory of repeating the the drill Uh so much that in my sleep, I 
uh, my head was um, next to the wall, I would say. And I would, and I kicked my leg up, and I made a hole in the wall, and woke up <laughs> like a next kick. Yeah, like a, just a straight up kick. And <laughs> but I was still asleep. Good form. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I don't think I, I didn't think I could do that in real life. Just in my sleep, I guess my body, when it's sleeping, doesn't know the limits of the flexibility. <laughs> sleep fighter. But uh, the the guy that was in my room, he woke up and he's like, "What the hell is this French guy? What the hell was that?" And I was still asleep, so. He thought it was just that would scare the whatever. shit out of me. <laughs> and then he went back to sleep. But the next morning, we saw the hole, and he was like, "Oh, something must have pierced through." And I'm like, "I don't know. My my toe was like swollen as <laughs> plaster." <laughs> like uh, I don't know what this is. But there's a picture frame. It on feels your toe. like, and it fits perfectly in the hole. So I don't know. <laughs> but crazy. I mean that that it sounds more impressive than it actually uh, because the wall I don't think was very thick. Mm. But it's still the reach. Is really yeah, the reach is impressive. what I think would be more impressive. I mean, uh, the only thing I have to compare that to is playing with my like half brother when I was a kid, and I tried to do a DDT, which was a big deal in the '80s, trying to DDT your best friend or your brother or whatever, and I didn't have the distance right, and I literally drove his head into the wall. Jesus, his head, like comically, like you know when you see the guy's head is in the wall, <laughs> and it doesn't speak much about the construction of the place, but. And my mother like came home and she's just like, "What the fuck? What you two? It's like a cartoon. There's a perfect cutout of your friend. <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> through the wall. It's like Wipeout. You know when you, that game game show when you yeah. have to make the pose in order to like yeah. But uh, so didn't you also roundhouse kick someone in your sleep? No. I, is this a story that I, I, no. I have? Yeah. Maybe you're getting confused. Well, I elbowed. Yes, I elbowed Kathy in the face. Kathy, yeah. your girlfriend. Yeah. I elbowed Vicky in the sternum mm. while sleeping. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is a stunt thing. <laughs> no, I don't. A martial arts stunt thing. Maybe. No, yeah. I think more of a violent sociopath. Thing, <laughs> actually. No, no, no it's I not. have need Vicky in the coccyx. In the back. Uh, in the spine. In the tailbone. Like a knee, because wow. she was sleeping on her side, and I was sleeping like in spoon. the same direction as yeah. her spoon. I wasn't spooning her, but in the spoon-like arrangement, and. Uh, most of the time when this happened, I'm dreaming that I'm fighting somebody, and in the dream, I can't hurt them. You know, you try to we run, you try to yell, you try to do something yeah. in a dream, and it doesn't work. But my, I get so focused on trying to hurt them, it'll translate into actual real physical movement. So at one point, I jerked awake, and I drove my knee into uh, Vicky's tailbone, which Ouch. woke her <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> Another time, I was lying on my back, and I gave her an elbow straight into the sternum. Uh, it's a downward elbow straight. Crack! And uh, that was with her. And then without her in the bed, I once threw a couple uh, a couple times, I threw a roundhouse kick. And these are all, like, oh, the result alone of... Alone in the bed is a different story, they, they Oh, yeah, what know. happens then? Like, I, I don't even know, really, because I'm alone and I'm sleeping. So, But, but I woke awake, up with you know? a lot of bruises and yeah. stuff so i don't know what happened really. or you jerk awake and like your your curtain is swinging the tail of your curtain at the foot of your bed is just swinging back and forth and you're like oh, i'm telling you guys this is a, <laughs> it was a, a plant <laughs> fell over once but that this I don't is know. a movie idea sleep sleep fighter, <laughs> sleep my, parents fighter. Came, <laughs> my parents once came into my room because i sidekicked so hard i did a roundhouse so hard i almost broke my toe and the impact with the wall like woke them up two rooms down they came in they're like what the fuck just happened like, Can't you masturbate like a regular child? <laughs> sleep fighter. Sleep fighter too. And you're still with this lady. 
Yes, my wife has uh, survived an, both of my attacks. She's an incredible she's lady. Still se- se- sleeps in the bed next to me. Oh wow, she's quite she's a wonderful woman. Brave. Yeah, she Vicky's. Uh, Vicky sleeps with hardcore paddings and everything. No, <laughs> yeah, but she has hockey, uh, <laughs> full on hockey gear. Poor little Vicky. Bat-tam hockey. <laughs> I just picture her she's tiny. The umpire <laughs> shield like, like on the, the gym. mouth guard. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But there are vivid sleepers. I I I tend to jerk, not off, but jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, when I sleep, I get these nervous yeah, like tick too. nerves that moves, and only one of my kids does this. The other ones, uh, like it's so weird how one of your kids will be exactly like you. He does the exact same mm-hmm. thing, and he, you can't sleep with him. You can't get a knee in the mouth, uh, <laughs> elbow in the ear. Oh, so it's not just when you're falling asleep; it's throughout the night. Throughout the night, uh-huh. yeah. And it's not like restless leg syndrome or whatever. It's just sleeping, and then suddenly, boom! Like a like a just a. Literally a knee-jerk mm-hmm. reaction. Because I know when you're falling asleep, it's your cerebellum at the, at the like the top of your spine, base of your head. Okay. That kind of paralyzes your your body, which is the mechanism in place in order to prevent you from while you're running and you're yeah in, at, pulling you know, something or, or yeah. kicking or punching that you're not actually doing that in in real life. Like well, you're it ain't doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't doing a good job, but. Uh, okay, it disables you from actually uh, sending those signals to your limbs. Right. Yeah. So there's a paralysis that's, that goes on as you're falling asleep. So like as you're, you like jerk as you're falling asleep, it's because that's not, like that process is going on. For some people, it's instantaneous and other people, they, they go through that Interesting. jerky motion. I guess uh, I'm not fully, they can't keep me down. That's right. They can't keep you guys down apparently either. Maybe you're like popping in and out of it. Yeah. Who knows? I wonder if that's related to... Um, you know, sleepwalking, uh, which is the sequel to Sleep Fighter. Yeah, sleepwalk I, think, fighter. I think it is. Actually, walking sleep, go first. Sleep Fighter would be the sequel yeah. to Sleepwalker. Maybe, hmm. you're right. First, he just walked around, but then he had to learn to fight. In his sleep. He had to yeah. learn. If not, we're saying that he used to be a fighter, and then he gave it up. <laughs> but then there just needs to, to be walk a, a trilogy. Walk the earth it needs to be a trilogy to make it exciting. <laughs> Passing on the lessons he's learned. I think they both work, right. actually. Yeah. It needs to be a trilogy, I think, is what the uh, outcome of this is. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's always really interesting. But uh, the, on the subject of dreams, um, do you dream about fighting? consistently or does it happen from time to time it would be just dreaming about training more than fighting i think okay because it's just such a like a muscle memory thing but sometimes just i would sleep with my laptop on and like a, a shaw brother movie would be playing while i'm sleeping. You fall asleep on the and then i would hear the sounds and that would trigger my my dreams of just fighting a shit ton <laughs> okay of people. but that's just different also that sounds like a great but that's very workout. specific when when that happens so you can't fall asleep on any like because you may you may actually. Well, I I sometimes I put it because it's it's soothing for me, like it's familiar. Soothing. It's my comfort zone is those those sounds because I I grew up with those sounds. So a lot of times now when I'm when I'm alone, <laughs> when I'm alone, I I, I tend to put a movie on that. Uh, it's usually a shab or a kung fu movie. something in the back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting how uh, people. Uh, uh, you know that whole sleep thing is always very interesting. You know how some people listen to that waterfall bullshit. You no, know? Not me. Mm. Well, it depends. But I, I need white noise to block out other noise because my hearing is so friggin' sensitive that if there's any other noise when I'm trying to sleep, I just can't sleep. It, so. w- it wakes you up, or it doesn't prevent you from going down. Oh yeah. So I need to have like. Uh, I'll just put on my fan. The fan. And yeah, my brother does that. The sound of the fan yeah, is same drowns anything Danny. else out. Shout great. out to Dan. Yeah. Shout out Dan Bone. <laughs> 
Yeah. But it's interesting because neither of you, as far as I know, are violent people. You're not. You're you're actually very as peaceful. As far as you know. Yeah. As, far as, you as know. far as I know. I thought you were gonna say, as far as like you guys haven't actually slept together yet. Like, <laughs> as far as I know, <laughs> that's what I thought you were gonna say. I'm just gonna preface <laughs> everything with uh, as far as I know. Um, uh, sleep fighter takes a whole different connotation. <laughs> sleep lover. <laughs> that's the third one. That's, that's how, we, that's that's how you fight, though. The sleepwalker, sleep fighter, sleep lover. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's the prequel. They became friends afterwards. He was a sleep lover until he sleepwalked, and then he got in trouble and had to learn how to fight. Someone killed his brother. He became the sleep fighter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it, but well, he's I guess not gonna take it lying down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on, that's perfect. Oh. It writes itself, man. <laughs> the sleeper hit of the summer. Okay. Oh, nice. So, uh, um, so I guess what I'm saying is, like you guys, I also am not a uh, violent person at all. I, I am do not like confrontation. I do not resort to physical violence. Uh, as a as a first reaction, like I'd have to be in a you know cornered. I'd have to be you know. Um, I'm not an aggressive person either. Like I don't speak aggressively. I don't. However, there's an incredible amount of attraction to uh, simulated violence. Yeah, for sure. Fantasy violence. Um, like my friends used to actually be worried about me when the first 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 person shooters came out in like games like Hitman. I'd be like, oh, watch this. You can actually, if you like, if you shoot with a machine gun into like uh, an opponent you killed, you can like, you can write your name. And they'd just be like, oh, Jesus Christ, Jason, what the fuck's <laughs> wrong with you? Uh, but for me, the, the, the separation was always clear mm-hmm. between reality. Like, I never want to emulate any of this. Why do you think you guys are so focused? Like, what, what is your, Fred, Fred, like, what is your, what do you think is your obsession with the, the physicality and the fighting? Um, well, the fighting part is just, I guess it's something that I've always known. I grew up training martial arts, so to me, that was a thing. Also, watching a lot of kung fu movies with my dad when I was young really made me. It was a bonding experience with my dad, and it's just uh, I like the idea of pe- people creating that choreography and what their th- their train of thought was before. Uh, you know, like why did they do this move and stuff like. That. I like to analyze action sequences like that. So to me, playing video games too, like I could, oh the mocap actor here did this and that was cool. Oh, this is impossible to do, so it's probably animated and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just, you know, it's a good workout too. So I don't know. I I just, I'm drawn to those kinds of uh, games and uh, movies. I would, I don't really like watching a real fight live. Like I wouldn't go to see a boxing match or anything like that. Or UFC type stuff. Yeah, I like simulated, like you said. Okay. Yeah, I mean, real real fights, real, real fights, like in a bar are actually ugly. (laughs) They're not (laughs) And and hard to watch. They're (laughs) They're exciting, but they're not like, it's not beautiful, right? No. No, and it's like, uh, you know, especially if it's a real fight, like there's no nobility to it. There's no eloquence. It's one guy trying to brain the other guy with Mm -hmm. whatever he has at his disposal, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you attribute it to, Shauna? Cartoons? Um, I mean, we come from that generation too where we were, you know, showered with violent cartoons and um, war and soldiers. and. I think my attraction to violence, fictional violence, because I actually thought about this quite a lot uh, growing up. Because I, I used to wonder, like, why why do I enjoy it so much? And more worryingly, why am I so good at it, in a sense? <laughs> like, I'm not saying good is that, you know, I'll go out in the real world and take on ten guys. But I'm saying my creativity, my imagination when it comes to violence, it's ways like, of hurting other people, has knows no bounds. 
right? You can't get enough of it. Right, and it's not about seeing people suffer. It's not about any of that. It's, it's about being able to express myself in a medium that's, I think, very, very, very primal and speaks to who we are as human beings. I think violence is intrinsic to being a living organism. You look at every single other organism on on the planet, violence is a part of their existence. Yeah, it's not even called violence. It's just their way of being. You know, Like rams fucking <clears throat> like headbutting each other. Territorial disputes, uh, hunting, right? They're all extremely violent acts. And violence is, you know... Um, what was it? Uh, evolution or survival? I forget the term. Someone had once said is a constant act of aggression, right? Which is a very good way of putting it if you think about it. We live in polite society where violence has no place. We've and, isolated ourselves. And we've from found models. a way of, of living without it, but it doesn't mean we don't have those impulses or that. I won't say a need, but like, well, yeah, a need. Like you know, just as men are driven to procreate and to have sex, right? It's a driving force for all of us. Same thing with violence is a way of establishing your dominance, of protecting your mate. If you, I'm talking very archaic terms here, but that's the general idea. On a subconscious level. We're talking about bio, purely yeah. biology. You take yeah. rational thought out of it. So, You think it's a response to that. That's what Yeah, and I think it's something that most every... Women to a lesser extent, but men to a large extent, have in them and need to express and don't have an outlet. That's why I think you have people who, you know take up certain hobbies or activities or behaviors because they don't have an outlet for or they that. murder each other over a parking space yeah, exactly mm-hmm. you know road rage or whatever else is all those violent impulses that don't have a healthy outlet um you know if you spend all day chasing on a deer with your buddies and killing it and then butchering it and hauling its carcass back you're going to be too exhausted and too proud of yourself and your buddies to start shit with anyone you know what i mean um so yeah, but I experienced this with my kids. <laughs> so I think I think violence for me is a way of kind of indulging into that primal need I have to, uh, you know, dominate and dominate other life forms, assert my dominance, uh, succeed. You know, if we break it down to like the, you know, like I said, the basic uh, primal instincts, you know, dominant strength, cunning, these things translate to hey you're winning at life you're, you're doing a good job being a human being keep doing that type of thing right uh, no one really celebrates weakness or mediocrity i mean we do in our culture but i mean in terms of nature we don't some of those dynamics are we still don't very we much don't celebrate um, those things yeah uh, we don't have put as much value on them so video games uh especially video games martial arts sparring stage combat uh, any of those things that I do that have a violent aspect to them, to me, it's an outlet. It's a way of being able to indulge into my male nature, which has... Testosterone and all that. Yeah. Right, which is in some part have to do with violence without actually hurting other people or impacting their lives in a negative way uh, because there's no room for that in our society. And yeah. so I think it's, you know, especially stage combat is a nice safe place for me to exist. Video games too, because they're completely simulated. There's no actual danger um, which is why I really take uh, objection to people drawing links between like shooting games and people who go on shooting sprees, right? It's like one of them you're sitting on a couch in your home, <laughs> safe, eating chips, using a controller. The other one, you're actually in a room full of people with a live gun and ammunition in your hands. Which and you first, cops first you actually have to purchase. Shooting that you have to and purchase to and, and get in your mind to do it. Like I'm not saying 
one ex- precludes the other. I'm saying that can be the completely soul. different yeah. things. Like I remember once I was playing a lot, and I mean a lot of GTA Four. I think you know you hijack cars, you you go around, drive on sidewalks, whatever, have your fun. I remember once I was I walked out of my house, and I was like, oh man, I gotta get to somewhere quickly. You felt the overlap, didn't and you? And there was a split second of yes. overlap where I looked down to the street, saw a car, and my first instinct or impulse was like, well, run over to that car, Just grab it, open the passenger side door, haul the guy out and get in, and you can... No, and I remember having that, the exact same thought. Right, and as that thought starts to take shape, you realize how utterly absurd it is because I'm a rational human being. It's my point here. Plus, you know, I'm not that strong. But my point is... <laughs> The two things that's so far removed from the reality you live in, how could one possibly inform the other? Like, I wouldn't put in 50 hours in a flight simulator on Microsoft and then the pilot and you know, the pilot has a heart attack. I'm like, ooh, let me fly the plane. I, I, I played a video game once that you know, the, like the circumstances are so completely different, I don't see an overlap. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I still think that video games, especially, can have a bit of a therapeutic value to them in terms of channeling your aggression and i think unfortunately that's also why online communities can be so aggressive and so uh foul and and and, uh misogynistic or racist because you know it's like an inert i i don't want to generalize obviously but at least some of the people playing these games are people who don't have necessarily at least in my experience people i've met or seen don't have a lot of social ability personal power and all that. social you know to agency be, to be respected or agency yeah in in um in public they'd much rather stay at home as yeah. a recluse because they're gods on call because of duty. exactly yeah. all the social standing you're vying for that you normally in normal in, in animal society you would gain through physical presence and dominance and and aggression is replaced by a virtual Sure. Substitute, and then when you start getting power and credit and recognition through these things, then I find it tends to make people who aren't well balanced become like these crazy ego tripping. So it does have an effect. It has an effect on your social interactions yeah. and maybe even your perceptions of people. I can, but to I go from there to, to go buy an Armalite and walk into a theater and yeah, it's, it's a it's people, a bit of a leap. It's a bit of it's a, leap. a big. But it's a big I, leap. I can attest personally um, to I know someone who. Uh, is a hardcore gamer and uh like he he plans his life around certain release dates type of thing that's how hardcore he is and i realized that a a great number of his interactions are in fact uh the yelling into the the mic Mm -hmm. you know while you know noob Mm -hmm. all that stuff that goes on in these pwned pwned and all these first person shooter uh, multiplayer situations and he spends or used to at least spend so much time in that environment that it caused clashes between me and him because he would kind of sort of talk to me the way he interacts with his friends online. Mm. And while that goes there, um, there's a context, there's a common context there. Um, if over text you just say to somebody like, yeah, I, I love that movie, and you go, ah, you're fucking retarded, right? Like in a real life situation, the person will be like, uh, "Okay, you get you get the one, mm-hmm. that one first, the first one's cool." But by the third, like juvenile insult, you're like, "Dude, the fuck's your problem? <laughs> you can't talk to me that way." And then 
I got really pissed off and we had it out and I realized after that that he was just this was just the echo of him being in there so much that he thought this was fair banter. game. Yeah. Playful banter. Playful banter. Like he I think he didn't I realized he had he never meant to truly offend me, but he uh he this was this is the lingo of that world, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because there's no accountability. That's yeah. the biggest I think that's the issue. If I were to go around everyday society talking to people like you or Fred my friends or even people I don't know as well like Richard and I start mouthing off fucking noob man you guys are just gonna ignore me and act like nothing happened you're gonna call me on it I could get in trouble with a stranger if I walk up to a stranger on my way home later to the metro get and I'm fucking like, you're a fucking out, asshole chance would be like the fuck you say to me and <laughs> yeah. want to kick my ass and I wouldn't really blame the guy so there's immediate accountability all the time, but online there's zero. All you get is someone else yelling back at you. You fucking fag, you fag, suck my dick. Right? A bunch of juvenile, homophobic, misogynistic, racist stuff. But there's no consequence. Like the cops aren't going to show up at your place. And I mean, unless you get swatted or any of that other be a, crazy be a stuff. Good that prank happens. to play on someone, yeah. Well, you've heard about swatting, right? That's when you. I think you told me about that, Richard. Swatting is when you basically make a phone doxing. Call. You said you're, you're, you're doxing. The doxing is one thing. Swatting. This is people have had like real world consequences because of this. Swatting is when, let's say, um, well, there's a guy, for example, doing a stream of uh, of a game he was playing. Okay, so he's showing people himself he, playing. Playing, yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think you can get donations or something and. There are some people, I think he was playing against people or whatever, and he was beating them pretty badly. And for whatever reason, the people who had beat him, who had been beaten by him, they, I may be distorting the story, but they basically made a phone call to the cops pretending to, to be that person, uh, the person they wanted to, to, to prank, if you will, saying, I got a gun. If the cops show up, I'm going to kill everybody. Oh, shit. Just lots of crazy stuff that's going to make the cops show up with guns drawn. And then basically they told the guy, and the guy wanted, that's it. And the guy was streaming, is like, I'm going to log off now. And they're like, no, 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 stay, stay, stay. If you stay on for another 10 minutes, we'll donate 100 bucks or whatever. And he was like, fine. Because they wanted, they the wanted point of swatting is to, to catch someone live, fine. being filmed, get busted by the cops. So the guy's there, and his wife comes in, like, there's cops on the friggin' front lawn and the whole deal. So. And he has a baby. He had like an eight-month-old son. So the guy was furious because, you know, he comes out and he's like... Plus in the U.S. That's the cops like, are like... Whoops. Legit dangerous. The cops are like, I under, we understand that it's a fake phone call, but we have to do our job just in case we have to go. And he's like, my son's in the crib. Please, can I go get him? And they're like, no, but it'll be fun. You know, he's freaking out. The guy, because he's in his home playing a game, which is supposed to be a safe environment. And next thing you know, the cops are there. So... That's a very that's a bit of an extreme example, yeah. but like that's what well, this ties into your no accountability. But that's what I mean. Like, I mean, can you imagine if I did that? The cops would go to your house next. Exactly, like, you. I'd go to jail for that. But people have no. I mean, I wouldn't do it because, again, as a rational adult, I can look into the future and be like, "Well, no, that's that's not going to work <laughs> fucking out." Fucking nuts. But online, people are just they, there's no real world. Uh, you know, there's no correlation yeah. or consequence. Yeah, I think a, a good maybe a, this is a good point to sort of connect this idea is, uh, between this idea of having a fascination with uh, martial arts, physical movement, dance, uh, fighting, simulated things, and uh, what you mentioned mocap earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So motion capture, right? And so, correct me if I have this wrong. Um, uh, essentially, motion capture is. The idea is like it's like the Andy Circus thing, right? You 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 wear like a suit, <laughs> yeah, 
Andy Circus, who we made fun of a few shows ago, uh, very cruelly, we're saying like, we're saying like when he dies, he's gonna be buried in that fucking thing, <laughs> and people are gonna are they called tracer balls, tra- tracker balls? What are they called those little markers? Markers. People are gonna just toss markers into his casket as they pass by, because we're saying how he's like the king of mocap because he brought it into the mainstream, but nobody wants to see him act in real life. <laughs> Every time he shows up in a movie, he has to wear a, an elaborate hairpiece or whatever. I wouldn't even say that he brought mocap into the mainstream. I nope. mean, he didn't champion or pioneer it as far as I know. It's just as a he performer. was involved with big enough projects that showcased mocap in such a way that when people wanted to know what's this new technology or how does it work, he was the face His of it. His name became He was the too. one doing it. He played... King Kong, he played Gollum, he did all those parts, you know. Planet so, of the Apes. Uh, yeah. Planet of the Apes. And and deservedly so, he's a fantastic physical actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a, he's, he's a good actor, period. But I think uh, it's just funny how he's kind of a victim of his own success. But to, add to, your, to your death thing, what they'll, they'll do is they'll have, like, the burial plot, and then next to it they'll have a monitor with a point cloud. <laughs> and as people throw markers down... Into the barrel plot, it'll slowly like trace out his body, and then we'll see him in 3D. Okay. Oh, that's a mocap joke. It's a mocap. Joke. <laughs> so right uh, now, there's seven people who've done mocap or laughing <laughs> really hard. <laughs> hey, you seven people. So okay, so Sean, you're an actor. Um, um, you're a voice actor. Is that a separate thing? I folded in under the umbrella. Of okay, actor, still acting. Okay, and then mocap. Now you, Fred how you've recently gotten in, into that field or um, how, how long have you been mocapping? Well, I'm, I've done, I've been doing it um, not as long as Sean has, but I, I think it's already been maybe two years already. So, I mean, my first mocap gig was with Sean. Right. I know he brought you years ago. We did three years ago. Wasn't it? Yeah, or I think so. Well, it was, it was three years. It was three years ago, but then it, it was a delay and the yeah. game is still being delayed. Oh. Basically, I had been doing mocap for a long time and then I got hired uh, to be the takedown choreographer for Deus Ex Mankind Divided, which is the upcoming Deus Ex game. So it's not out yet? No, it got pushed back another, okay. I think, till August, six months. I think, I think a lot of people are waiting for that game. Yeah. But they pushed it back because they want it to be great. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad they did. Uh, so I choreographed, conceived of, designed all the takedowns, and then I filmed all of them, presented them to the to the developers. They told us which ones they wanted. And then we uh, mocap them and put them in, and they put them in the game. So when they hired me as the, the coordinator, they asked me who I wanted to work with. And the first person who came to mind was Fred because Fred's uh, pretty much the best stunt fighter I know and the, the best to work with and he's got all the right qualities that I like that I enjoy working with. And um, I told them, there's this great guy, Fred. And they're like, okay, he's the actor. I'm like, no, he's not. They said, well, you know, that might be difficult and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, okay, no problem. Politics. So for, for my partner, then what we'll need to do then is we'll need to rent a room <laughs> and, uh, you know, clear with Actra and then uh, put out a call to all the different casting agents. They can submit people and then have them all come in. We'll have them do some work with me one by one. We'll have to take a day or two maybe, another day for callbacks. <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of laid it out for them. And by okay. the end, they're like, uh, look, we'll uh, talk to Actra, see what we can do about your friend. And uh, before I knew it, they were like, "Yeah, it's good. You can work with Fred." So, what was it like, Fred? The the first time you uh, well, I've been waiting to put do on this the ball since like I, since I met Sean really because mm-hmm. I met him in the stage combat class, and he I think you were doing mocap for Assassin's Creed Two at the time. Yeah, 
And I remember because you had the the hair for the uh, for the mom. <laughs> <laughs> you had it. You had it in person, like that picture you uploaded. It's called a tonsor. I know <laughs> this because <laughs> I played Dungeons yeah. Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. You had the hair, so it was during Assassin's Creed Two. Yeah, that was a long time ago too. Yeah, that was quite a while ago. So, and I remember you were saying like mocaps awesome like you, you, i think you just started I yeah think, it was kind of new to me too. yeah, yeah. And he's like oh i want to do this forever now because it's so cool i get to do all this stuff and i'm like man that sounds awesome i want to do that and um i think this was before i went to china even i think yeah was it? yeah i think so but fred's a talented guy and he's super reliable and he's a great performer and an amazing physical artist and mover and martial artist so i mean to me he's a show perfect in. and yeah. i'd worked with fred on countless other yeah. projects we, we before that on Punisher on uh, Mountain Combat I'd also asked Fred to be my assistant when I was teaching stage combat so I knew a lot about him and he was reliable he was my friend you know, mm-hmm. but way back then he was he was, he was he's fun. not anymore now we're just professional <laughs> no. no but I mean, I mean more than anything he was my friend back then so and not that I doled out work based on friendship like especially for that contract which was the biggest contract I've ever been handed so far in my career yeah, you would not have handed that off to. If I would you, not, because uh, it reflected. It would have reflected poorly on me if Fred's, you know, just wasn't cut out, cut out for mocap. But I have a really good sense for people when it comes to physical stuff and fighting. I've been doing it for a long time, so I knew Fred would be fine. He's been great, hmm. and it kind of got his foot in the door. And now he works. He gets mm-hmm. he gets a job, get, every, not just but the, because of me. You know, the running saying. gag though is that every time we work together, I get killed. Yeah. No matter what the context is. Now we well, know we why he a lot of you a lot of pickups we did were a lot of days we did were for Deus Ex. I mean, they did a lot of scenes where, like, you know, guards are execute, executing people or uh, people are getting beat up. So it's you that I'm shaking yeah. killing when I play the game. Usually the guard would be played by me and Fred would play the victims. But then it also happened in um, Tomb Raider in Tomb Raider as well that we were working on that game. And, again, it's people running, getting, you know, shot. <laughs> it's always Fred. Because Fred's, you know, a bit younger than me. He's a bit more athletic. Uh, so if, if it required a lot of, like, physically rough stuff sometimes it just kind of delegates this is me falling down you know but mocap is good for that because you can place mats yeah yeah thank god as opposed to like film work where you (laughs) they may or may not be i mean if you don't see the ground the shot yeah oh and you're and you're wearing no clothes so you can't wear pads yeah this is the scene where you fall naked out of the plane so uh here we go And they're throwing, uh, you know, crystal. Uh, they're throwing <laughs> broken glass at you. Yeah, while you fall. Uh, it's in the script. Neon tubes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was it like putting on the? Because you have to put on the suit, and you put on those little, uh, little balls and the tra- tracker balls. Reflectors. Yeah. Reflectors. Markers. Little markers. nipples. Little nipples. Yeah. Little nipples. <laughs> and so, was it weird? No, I mean, it, it's pretty comfortable. It's a lot more comfortable than you can, than I thought. You know, uh, I don't skin know. Skin tight. Skin tight's yeah. not uncomfortable. You kind of look like you're gonna do like a, one of those wind tunnel things yeah, with a I mean, bicycle. It's very aerodynamic. So yeah. I mean, I it's didn't... like a scuba suit. It's okay. like a like a diving suit or a wetsuit. Yeah. But don't they like, like put like a onesie? <laughs> they point onesie points. Leotard. No, there's onesie. two parts. There's uh, <laughs> it's very tight, so you're like really pulling it on over. You have the pants and you have the top. Then you tuck the top into the pants with Velcro. Velcro bands to make sure that the top doesn't move because the markers need to stay in the same relative position throughout the day. If the marker on my shoulder starts drifting up or down, then my data is not going to match later on in the day, and then it'll be a lot harder for the animators to work with that or for the computer to animate it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you put on the pants, you put on the top. Usually they give you a pair of shoes with markers on them. And then some places have you put gloves on, some don't. Some people have you put on the cap, some don't. 
Mm. Some people have you put glasses on instead. I even seen like these weird helmets. Or the helmet. The helmet is yeah, for full performance capture, capture which the is facial animation. For so they're facial your, animation. Your lips, your eyes, everything. Yeah. So the camera will get your facial animation and your sound, and the markers will get your body performance. Uh, but usually, facial is only done if the character has lines and they're important enough in the game for them to animate their face. Like if they're doing a day where I'm a merchant at a stall waving for someone to come over they're not going to capture my face because mm-hmm. he's too small in the game you won't ever see it but like in a cutscene, a cinematic where two guys are talking and being intimate then the facial animation becomes super yeah that's important. that's always cool like you um talking to sean you realize that you know you're playing assassin's creed and you go through the market and there's the guy with the oh, get the fish and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and like that's all people somebody yeah and it's always it's l- a lot of times it's the same people too. and like 70 percent of those characters is the same dude. Yeah. Right. It's like, me. <laughs> me, and Sean, did, me and Sean, we did so many people in Deus Ex uh, just oh, yeah. walking by. or Walking by. Like in the... Uh, women on occasion. I mean, they, they hire women to play women, but sometimes they need an extra woman or it's literally like a two-second pickup yeah. shot. They'll just... I'm, I've become known in Montreal as the guy who plays women. Because <laughs> I, can, I can do it convincingly. Because again, it's not about your shape. It's, your it's about your acting and your movement. So uh-huh. if I can walk in a certain way that's more feminine, it'll pass. I'm not built like a woman, and my hips don't move like a woman's, but it's close enough that they can work with it. And like I said, in small doses. And I've seen the results of it, and it looks... And they can know, tweak it afterwards, too. Yeah, if they, it looks fine. I guess that was my next question. So as you're moving around on the on the playing field... The is volume. There, it's called the volume. The volume, yeah. excuse me. As you're walking around in the volume... Um, uh, is there a director there yeah. giving you going always like, yeah of course yeah. and he's telling you like he's giving you physical directions or depends what you're doing if you're doing a cinematic then it's just like a film right like uh, the soap poses like it starts out face to face one guy turns well no well, the, the, the real beauty and advantage of mocap that I absolutely love is that it gives you a freedom you just don't have in film or theater theater everything has to be played out towards the audience which severely limits your movement Film has to be played to the camera. So, you you know, sometimes you turn away from the camera or whatever. You don't get the best angle. It's very technical. In mocap, there is no camera. The camera is virtual. So it's you're capturing 360 yeah, degrees uh-huh. of the performance at all uh-huh. times. And then after the fact, you can virtually create a camera angle from anywhere you want. Fuck, that's crazy. Given man. the data and do whatever. So you could have a shot that's underneath my feet. You could have a shot that's inside someone's Head, well, actually, the inside head. <laughs> as a, as a DOP, harder. like I would lose my mind. But you can literally yeah, amazing. plan your shots after. Now, the best directors I've worked with plan the shots beforehand. So they'll be like, when you guys come in, stay close because the camera's going to be here. Yeah. Even though you're getting everything. Yeah, the camera's going to be He's here. already got the camera moving. So they can yeah. have that in mind. Or another character's here. We want to reveal them, so stand behind them. But direction for cinematics is mostly just like you would for a film, mm-hmm. right? And then you have like living world or gameplay or environment things, then it's much more physical. Like things like uh, you're reacting to um, to a bomb going off because the assassin can drop bombs, okay? So you react. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be like, uh, you can't turn around completely because then your vision arc will move too much and you'll see the player, we can't, be, you know, like little technical things like that. Fuck, it's crazy. Or, man. you know, put your reset your feet to this position because we have to start in this blend pose or we're doing something called a breaker or a cycle. That's when I'll, this is the kind of stuff that Fred may be a little less familiar with because we've done mostly cinematic stuff, but on the more technical aspect, there's lots of stuff like that where you do cycles, walks, navigations, all the 
dozens upon dozens upon dozens of variables that um, that determine what happens to a a character, an NPC in an open world environment. So, for example, it's in GTA Five. You're walking down the street, and there's a guy walking towards you, drinking his coffee. If you pull out your gun, what, the guy with the coffee, they need animations to cover him, like dropping the coffee and putting his hands up in the air and going, please, please don't kill me, right? And then once you bring the gun off of him, you're not aiming anymore, he'll go from his scared state for a few seconds, which will then blend to a more normalized state, which will then blend with a panic state and he'll run off, for example. And then if he gets to the corner, he's got to take a sharp right to turn the corner. Well, that's something we have to capture too. So they'll capture him running front, running left, running right, running back, running back 180 left, Jesus back 180 right, back to the, you know, they'll do that. And then they'll do scared reaction left, scared reaction right, scared reaction back, scared reaction front. And then they'll have take off out of run front, take off out of run left. So all these things can blend together so when it has to edit all this the game. So Jesus. you have the more technical directors who are aware of that stuff and who just bring you through the entire list. Yeah. Okay, and now the workers are going to do it. Now the nobles are going to do it. Now the uh, middle class people are going to do it. You know, all this data to govern that. So that's more work. Well, that's less time to shoot than you would think, though. But that that something like that, you'll do 60, 80, 100 shots in a day. Yeah. Uh, whereas cinematics... Depending on your workload, you'll do maybe a dozen. Cool. So, so you like it? Yeah, I love it. Okay. So I, I know that Sean's been like uh, Machiavelli in Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. Stiff. Duccio. Duccio? Duccio. Duccio. Father Maffei. Duccio. Duccio was a douche. It was amazing. It was perfect. so much fun. Was the name on purpose? Like Must have been. Must have been. Because there's it, lots of jokes when writers put a lot of jokes. Like, so, so people who played Assassin's Creed have killed you a bunch of times. Oh yeah, yeah. they've killed Even me as Father Maffei. Yeah, yeah. I was on my tower. And it was his just, face too. In the it was my face character. mapped to the character. Yeah, I, they, actually, they, I remember. I before I met the, Sean, I remember the character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, you yeah. killed him. That's before the picture you, met him. you posted yeah. for this episode. Nice. Though. Yeah, I played him in. Um, yeah, you posted it. I played him in the web. There was a three-part web series called Assassin's Creed Lineage, which covered the father of Ezio. They did live action. Live action. Mm-hmm. And Lisa actually worked on the costumes. And massive oh, yeah, amounts of... Uh, we maybe even worked together. I just didn't know her back it's, then. Uh, we didn't know each other back yeah. then, yeah. And uh, everything was green screened. So it was done all at Mel's studio. And I played this monk called Father Maffei who didn't speak, but who betrays, who leads the bad guys to do some bad stuff against Ezio's father and kind of winds up getting him killed. So in Assassin's Creed 2, one of the missions is to kill uh, a bunch of secondary characters who survived lineage. And Maffei is one of them, so you got to go find him at the top of his tower, yeah, and sermonizing. That, yeah. And yeah. I texted you. He's talking about the guard. <laughs> you texted Sean. I texted Sean because I was playing it, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have my revenge now. For I had so, so, <laughs> so many people text me or message me or call me and go, I killed you in Assassin's Creed. I think awesome. I even when I when I, I definitely I, killed you. <laughs> and if you go up to the body and look at him, it's my face. And on 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 the, on the model and on the, the the mission screen when they tell you who to go kill. It was actually a drawing of me. It was very much my likeness. That's weird. Uh, which they rarely do in video games now. They almost yeah. never do likeness. Um, so I played Maffei. I played Machiavelli. Obviously, I played Duccio, who, who recurred in all three. Right. Bro- I, I accidentally found out it was you in uh, Deus Ex. Um, what's the character's name? Um, uh, Officer Tyndall? No, Anonymous X? Anonymous X. Yeah. Yeah, I remember playing Deus Ex, and Anonymous X uh, <laughs> starts like, I'm like, Fucking Sean? That's Sean's voice. 
I was like, hee, 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 and then like, you know, so you it must get... somewhat recognizable, it's true. <laughs> this is what we were laughing about earlier, how they, they got him to do this. So have have uh, have you played any characters that we've killed? Have you, have you um, played any? Well, I mean, every victim that you're going to oh, kill right. in Deus Ex is my animation. If you look you're, you're at getting murdered. <laughs> yeah, every time you take someone down in Deus Ex, 100% of the time... It's Fred uh, getting taken down. Fred, no. And if it's two people, it's Fred and this other guy, Mark. I don't want to play the new Deus Ex now. Thank you. If you watch I don't think you need to preview. kill anyone to finish it. Oh, That's what they no, said. No, you can pl- do the entire game without So I appreciate Fred everyone who once. does a full playthrough without killing anyone. I'm not to take that path. <laughs> well, me neither. I want to see my work. I'm loving hell out of Fred as much as All I my can. my friends are going to kill everyone. If you watched the preview for Deus Ex, the, the, the launch trailer uh, that came out a few months ago, I was watching it because I got an internal viewing at the Eidos when I was working on it, which was great. They showed me it, and I, the, the opening scene is in a train station, and there's like guards interrogating people, people running to catch their train, like a mother with her kids. There's the main character talking to his friend. There's like tons there's of stuff of going on. And I was literally, literally sitting there like, okay, I'm Jensen, the lead. I'm the guard who takes his ID. I'm that guy interrogating Fred. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's Fred, that's Fred, that's me. Okay, that's, next scene, that's me. Yeah. I'm the one jumping out of the VTOL there. I'm the guy in the seat there. Oh, I'm the guy in the... Oh, because like, you had no idea where you'd end up. Uh, once. Well, because I knew the scenes when we would do them. Like, okay, we're in a train station. But not how it all running We don't know what it train. looks like, really. But you don't know what it's going to be used like, finally. And then they put it all together and you realize, oh my God, all these layers Have you ever ended up being fighting used. yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've interacted with myself <laughs> in uh, mocap. Yeah, because you can do layers, right? Basically, <clears throat> like Photoshop. Say, uh, let's say there's yeah, like that. Let's say there's only three actors available for the shoot. I have Jason, I have Fred, and I have Richard, and uh, we're shooting a scene that's a bunch of people um, standing watching an execution. Okay, so you play the executioner. Uh, Jason, Fred, Thank you'll you. be the victim, and Richard, you'll be Honestly, the guy the reading out his uh, his sentence. So we, we film it, okay? Then we do another layer where the three of you now are in the crowd. Oh, yeah. And you're okay. all reacting. Mm. So we have an eye line we'll set up like some markers that where the people are standing, can react to that. And then we'll do another layer where you guys are the guys behind those guys. In right, the right. I, and then when you put it all together, you have 50 people in the scene, but it's like three, four actors. This reminds me of a one of the a very one of the first um, uh, uh, like one of the first independent movies made by like guerrilla filmmakers using green screen for the first time. I don't know if you remember these guys, but they became famous because they something like four of them or five of them went down to a beach somewhere in California and recreated Normandy. Normandy. Yes, and it was just them for. One day, two days, I don't know, three yeah. days, running out of the water and dying, doing different, different things. Yeah. And they just layered and layered and yeah. layered and layered and layered until you literally had a believable, probably hasn't aged well since, but at the time, an incredibly vivid. Uh, and it was, it's, this is essentially the same process, yeah. right? The, yeah, la- exactly. the layering. I think that's great. Um, uh, maybe you guys can clear up this myth. There was a story, there was a rumor. Um, it's kind of a myth about uh, was it uh, the two towers? Um, yeah, Lord of the Rings, two towers, Helm's Deep, um, the orcs, mm-hmm. right? There was like actually a couple of hundred of the actual actors there, and then they yeah. used uh, the layering to like mm-hmm. add. And one of the 
one of the guys apparently sued or tried to mount a lawsuit uh, to get compensated for as many times as he appears in the in the army. <laughs> like he's like, well, I'm actually really yeah. Because I didn't I didn't get the impression they were doing layers. I got the impression that the first like maybe third of the army were actual actors and the rest was just CGI. Yeah, but it was them repeated, right? It apparently, it was them. No, I meant CGI like a CGI generated image as opposed to compositing compositing okay where you take an actual filmed event and and repeat i think they re repeated the images of the of the of the first well that part. actor wouldn't be able to uh, if that is true he, there's not much he could do with it because i mean unless it works differently in sag and in new zealand but in canada with actra when you uh sign a contract to do a gig tv film anything that has your likeness your voice or your face something that's recognizable that's yours uh there's something called buyout which is a varying degree uh, percentages depending on what you're doing but usually for like tv it's 105 percent film is i think is 120 percent so let's say i make a thousand dollars on my day at work they'll then pay me 105 percent of that for buyout and buyout basically is they buy you out they buy they close the loop basically they close the loop they buy the rights to your likeness mm -hmm. Which prevents... So let's say you do a film for me, Jason, and, and, and I pay you for your buyout, which is automatic. I mean... It covers that. <laughs> that in the film, I could completely cut your scene. All right. This is how that explains... And uh, you'll be like, hey, I'm supposed to be in the film. Like, yeah, I changed my mind. You can't sue me. You can't you do got anything because I, I okay. own your image. Or I could use this scene where you reacted to Fred's... The news of Fred's death... But we cut that. But instead, uh, we added a scene where your mother dies. So we, we filmed that with the second unit. And then we composited the two together. So it's not even... You weren't even there. You yeah. weren't even there. That's not the performance you gave. But they're like, we have buyout. We can mm -hmm. do what we want. We can okay. pretend, you know. So once they have that actor's likeness, he's in the film. I'd be surprised if they had to pay for each instance of him. Well, it's like didn't. when Jean-Claude Van Damme does... Uh, Double Impact, yeah. or, or Adam Sandler does Jack and Jill. I doubt those uh, actors. Sandler, I wouldn't put in, it past fucking Sandler. But I doubt those actors pull in a double salary. Asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because you're just playing multiple roles in the same mm -hmm. film. You're still being paid for your time and for your likeness. Like if I played four different characters in a film, I don't think I'd pull in four different salaries. Depending it's just an on extension the of what I'm it's doing. Just you, have, as a, you paid more time because no, I'd, more. I'd get probably a bigger salary because I'm a star who can pull it off and I'd get a bigger paycheck because I'd spend more time shooting all those characters. But right. I wouldn't get paid because I, I don't have multiple roles. Like in LARPs, yeah. I got paid as a fight choreographer and as an actor. So if but I was on two roles, yeah. set as both those things, I got paid as both those things. But otherwise, it's just your time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that we can justly get out of here today without mentioning the punisher no mercy as it's been referenced <laughs> at least a trillion times um but to establish it one more time and hopefully this will now just be like a a, a mention i not that i resent the mentioning but i just you know uh finally to establish this like all the people in this room with the exception of richard um were we met actually while making this movie right Yep. Well, I didn't meet Fred, but I met you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, had you had you worked with Fred a lot before, prior to that? Apart Somewhat, from yeah. Mountain yeah. Combat, right? You did that film. Mountain did Mountain Combat. Combat. We did, did some teaching together. We did a lot of um, live performances. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. When we had a, we had a um, a live 
performance troupe called Sketch Combat. A lot of them were in Punisher also. The yeah, right. And the members of Sketch Combat included Gray, Dav, a few other people who... Amber, Amber, Amber Christina, Christina, James, uh, not G, but like a, a large portion of the Wait, cast. There were people on Punisher that we haven't had on the show yet. <laughs> there might be. Get them around. <laughs> you get to be around. Well, we're running low. <laughs> but they... <laughs> they were all part of the troupe, and we did a lot of live performances. We'd perform at Mainline. We'd perform at, uh, at Montreal Improv. Mm-hmm. We'd do shows. We did a Christmas show. And and the, 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 the idea behind our sketch troupe, which I loved, I thought it was a great idea, was that we'd just do sketches and comedy, but violence yeah. was part of every single sketch we did had some form of stage combat in it. So like for our Christmas show... You know, we we started things off with uh, sketch com- combat. Is proud to present, you know, the Nutcracker, and James is there, venerably reading from a book, smoking a pipe. Then Amber comes out, looking all beautiful as a ballerina, and she does a few pirouettes and she dances across the stage, and then she turns off and kicks James square in the balls, <laughs> and he falls down and he drags himself off stage in unbelievable pain. And he goes, "The Nutcracker." Right, <laughs> <laughs> Nutcracker, get it? But that's the you know. Okay, and yeah. then we did the twelve days of Fistmas, which to this day was pretty friggin' glorious. I have to say, it sounds it, like it should be double billed with a, a Sleep Fighter. Well, the concept <laughs> was actually pretty good. If I can plug this for a second, basically, we had the you know on the first day of Fistmas, my true love gave to me like a punch to the face or something. Someone mm-hmm. gets punched in the face. And then the second day of Christmas, it's another move. So every time we do the next day. The choreography would get a little bit yeah. longer, a punch and then a knee. But then we'd keep bringing other people. So by the end, that's kind of clever. We had I like, like well, there's video on Facebook. People. We'll send it to you. It's up on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll by the, the end, link. you have like ten people mm-hmm. on stage, all engaged in a massive battle, and like Santa Claus getting shanked. Uh, the whole <laughs> are there orcs, Sean? <laughs> no, but there really should be. <laughs> that's the next project. Are there orcs? Yeah. So I mean, I feel like um, maybe doing a roundtable um, and fully getting into the Punisher is something that we'd probably... I'd like to have you back to do that. Well, we should have a Punisher episode. We definitely. Where we can get Fred to come back and you get maybe Amber, she's yeah. around, or Christina, or James, or yeah. G, or anyone It'd be really people. great to have you guys down here, and then maybe we, we could either production. do it... Um, okay, what I'd like to do maybe instead of getting fully into uh, the making of that film is how... Are you at all excited about... Okay, let me preface this, or preface, preface. rather. Uh, preface. It's not the face, it's the it's preface. before the face. Right? Yes, it's before face. Um, <clears throat> uh, how do you, what do you think of the quality of stage or simulated combat in films today, as it is now? Um, we went through a, a shaky period, late, yeah. literally, in the, in the yeah. 90s, in the two, early 2000s. Well, it's a very different game when, it, when you're talking about East or West. Yeah, obviously in Asia, East or West. Yeah, in Asia they have a, a whole different way of doing it. Yeah, they have an action Higher director. standards too. I'd they say. have an, yeah, and they have, in my opinion, more skilled performers in that. Sure, that they're turning out more. Uh, more more stuff importantly, like they know how to shoot it. Yeah, but that's the thing. They have action directors that come in, and the director of the film would step aside, and the action director would direct everything. If usually he gets to edit the film too. Well, the fight parts. Yeah. And then that's his whole job, you know? So there's a separate guy doing yeah, just that. Yeah, and here, I, I don't think... I, I think that's unheard of here to have... I think what they do here is they, they have the director and then, <clears throat> excuse me, they'll have like a, like a um, on-set advisor, right? So if they're doing military, 
Uh, like stuff. A consultant. They'll have a consultant on the right uh, after doing uh, some sort of martial arts, and the actors are not trained. Then they'll have. What, from my experience, um, the fight choreographer would have no say in the film editing. Here. Here, yeah. Yeah. And usually, well, if you're lucky, you get to be in the room, you know, and give. But a lot of the times, I would choreograph a fight, and I don't even get to choose which performance was good. You know, they, it doesn't matter to them. They'll just mm -hmm. take the, the good angle that they think is good. And in that angle or in that shot, the, the performer doesn't sell the hit as much or his form is sloppy, but they'll use it because they like the angle. And then they'll edit it, whatever, however they think it is. But it they'll shake the cam. They'll shake the cam. Yeah, well, that's one problem that, it, I mean, they do. But the editing is another problem. The quick cuts and just... The Bourne series started with the shaky cam stuff, but their editing towards the... It got better, didn't it? The first Bourne was... No, I thought it got worse. Yeah, I'm to thinking me, of Ultimatum with the like uh, uh, parkour through the, the, the city. The Bourne Identity, the first one. The first one was... Excellent was, fighting choreography and cinematography. And it worked for the style, the shaky cam thing. Yeah, and then it <coughs> got out of hand in number two and three. <laughs> and the one, with, uh, the one like with Jeremy Renner... I oh, I didn't see The that. editing for that one was so weird. Like, there was, a, was a, a, a fight, and I remember reacting to this, so it's vivid in my mind. He was fighting, and then there's a cut to him shooting a machine gun in the air, and then it cuts back. Like, it's just to fill in the scene with action. Okay, but it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense from a narrative point of view. <coughs> to me, okay. that's what's lacking here in films. Well, Richard, as as a as a, I know you like UFC fighting, and I, I know you like that kind of competitive fighting. Do you do you actually care if the fights are good or not? Like, do you just the way that, for instance, I look at films and I and I need it to make sense, and we actually both of us, right? We want mm -hmm. the story. Does the fight story is that important to you? Yeah, it's super important. Well, the, to me, the shaky that's well, crucial. It's important to everybody because I mean, what is a fight? A fight's a conflict, right? Unless you're sparring or it's a weird comedy. A fight is a conflict between two people, like an argument. But instead of sure. using words, you use physicality. So There should be a story to it. I get it. If yeah. there's no story to the conflict, then why are you fighting? But I'm, I'm saying to someone like... I'm, the reason I was asking Richard is because, um, you know, the two of us don't have uh, fighting backgrounds. We've done some martial arts, but we, we're not approaching films the way you guys probably are approaching it, right? Um does it bug you? Like, will it will it hurt the enjoyment of the film for you? Yeah, I feel it's it's less enjoyable for sure. Like when they cut away at the point of impact, just because like it's it would be completely unbelievable. Right? Can you uh, think of an example? Now that there's more like uh, um, lady superheroes, mm. I find that that oftentimes ends up being the case. You're saying that like <clears throat> women choreographies are like not there yet. I think it's really it's kind of tough to pull off, you know. Like when you have like a three hundred pound dude getting beat up by like a ninety pound yeah. like Jessica girl. Jones type situation. Wait, Jessica wait, Jones. is it? Yeah. Well, that's different. She has actual super strength, so you can right. Yeah. But I mean, just physically doing it from yeah, a filmmaking like standpoint, Scarlett is Johansson, is very, for example, uh, like Black, Black Widow, Black Widow, Widow yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the solution is to have her do, you know, 17 flips over the guy and throw She always him. does that um, scissor takedown. Yeah, thing, which, I don't know, like... So that makes me, more sense than her punching somebody in the face, though, sure. and but, having but it hurt. to me, in the comic books, Natasha Romanoff is like a 5'10", statuesque, 
well-built woman Steel. who yeah. kick your ass six ways to Sunday. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather see that than I can invest and go like, yeah, she's kicking that term. Yeah, the, the casting never trained. made sense to me. Either. But because Joss Whedon likes tiny, petite little women and empowering them, which is fine and it's fantasy. It's, so it's, it's cool in its own way, for but sure. It's, it robs you of the believability. But you're saying, you're like Game of like, Thrones, the, you know, like that, that huge lady. Yeah, uh, Brienne. Yeah, like yeah, her, she's believable. Her, when she fights the hound... It's she goes way toe more to toe. Exactly. Yeah, because she's got the the weight behind yeah. her, you know, like trying to balance that. But a lot that, of that is also, difference, you know? even if, you, you know, physically you don't have the weight, but if you have the form of how you use your hips, that at least you can simulate the power. Yeah, translate the power and the movement. That's what's lacking mm-hmm. to me in a lot of these non And I've non-trained seen plenty actors. of videos Agreed. where a woman who's petite but who actually is trained will beat up. Full, you know, full size man. Oh, for sure, it's uh, totally it's, believable. I don't think it's impossible know? to do. I just think that it's. But it's, they have, it's, they have it's to sell rare. a challenge. Yeah. You just have it's to sell a challenge. But you're saying earlier, you're saying you know, like, does it bother you if there's a narrative and you know, guys like you? You're saying, like, I would argue like that the best people to determine if a fight is good or not aren't people like Fred and I. I agree with that. It's people like you and Richard. Yeah, just like as a filmmaker, uh, film if I make fights be... only guys who fight will enjoy, then I'm not doing my job, am I? It's like to me, filmmakers who make auteur films that are great. If you went to film school and everyone else, like I don't fucking get it. I'm sure it's beautiful, but I don't get it. It's, yeah, the Russian arc. Does that way, make it a, a good film? No, because I don't enjoy it because I don't get it. So I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying ideally you want to strike a balance. Films need to be accessible to an extent. Yeah. I think films also suffer today because they're too accessible. It's like, oh, it's a Batman film for everyone. Right. It's like, dude, Batman's not for everybody. De- I Batman's guess a narrow demographic. The other you know? extreme of what you're discussing is at the same time, I think that, well, yes, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. You know, um, the, the dark side of that or the flip side of that to me is someone who decides to make an action movie but won't do the work, don't, won't do the homework, won't do the, the choreo, like, you know. Be like, oh, it's just, action. Just it's enough cuts and shaky cams, and you yeah. can cover that stuff. Yeah, Sometimes it's, it's to the point where, like, I don't even, like, who's hitting who now? But yeah. I think like, people. I've lost track. Do you remember The oh, Gladiator? Yeah, the, the Gladiator is the first yeah. time that I was like, what the fuck? This is a movie about gladiators, and I don't know what's going on. And there's no. Yeah. Who Who is hitting who now? I, just, I, I, ah! They would <laughs> give you the shot, like, is the there an earthquake? <laughs> exactly. They'd give you the, like, the pose and, like, and then the chariots would come and then ear and eye fuck for the next 10 seconds and then pull back and he's standing triumphant or they're going for the slow motion like the cutting of the hand off and then in your face right for the Richard, next, uh, what you were saying which is you know it's just a bunch of quick cuts and all that you're right because and i think the reason why that's so prevalent today is because people like action and action is a necessary part of a lot of good stories. They revolve around conflict. But action is also really hard to... It's very hard to do mm-hmm. well. It's hard to do violence either realistically or in an entertaining fashion. And it's even harder to do it realistically and in an entertaining fashion at the same time. They're, they're, they tend to be opposed sometimes. Like a really realistic shootout won't be like, ooh, it'll be like horrifying because right. violence is, yeah. you know. Or a really fun fight won't have that visceral bone-crunching thing often because... You want to keep it a bit lighter, or you can't have a ten-minute fight where people are just mashed to pulp because you'll disconnect as an audience. So they're hard to do well, but there are a lot of tricks and a lot of cheats you can do to get around 
violence, things you can do to have violence without actually putting in the work. And I think that's why American History X. We see a lot of films where when we finally get to the violence and the violence is a big part, it's not very good because. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like, let's just put in a few hacks so we'll have the violence, we'll get around it, and the rest will sell. It's like implied. Yeah. implied. I, I equate that to what, and it's the exact same problem actually in theater. And I, and I equate the problem as being uh, uh, the same. In theater, you have, you know, your lighting people, your costume people, your director, your set builder, your actors. But they often seem to think that, oh, there's violence. Uh, you know what? The director, he'll take care of that. Or, you know, the lighting guy knows a bit. He'll, like It's always a, a thing they just kind of delegate last minute yeah. and they leave like a week or two to do it. And then they realize, oh my God, it's a monumental task to make a major fight look realistic and be safe at the same time. So what do we do? They'll try to find a device to get around around that. They'll so, go fight behind the so curtain. all our fights are in slow motion. <laughs> or all our fights are off stage. Or uh, I didn't see this production, but I heard about it and I killed myself laughing because I just think it's so ridiculous. And they try to pass it off as, oh, we're trying to be clever. I'm like, no, you're lazy yeah. and you don't want to do the work. So you're, you're going to pass this off as though that was your idea the whole time. But basically, I think it was Romeo and Juliet or Macbeth, you know, one of the more heavily fighting <laughs> plays. And all they had were sword hilts. So the cross piece, the guard and, and the pommel and the grip. And they would play sword fighting sounds. And the actors would just kind of flail at each other. With their swords doing an imaginary choreography that you would have to imagine the blades on their swords and the soundscape was supposed to support their fighting uh which i'm guessing didn't have a lot of incredible choreography because the actors were probably like well we can just kind of wing it you know i guess maybe in theater you could like uh, you know maybe pull it off but to me that's the same as film Right? If I see a film and there's all these cuts and all these weird cutaways and I can't tell who's fighting who, I can't tell who's winning, and then at the end, we see the guy standing triumphant and the other guy's dead. I'm like, what was the point of that? Why did you just show me that scene? Why don't you just cut to the end of the guy having won? I feel like this about sex scenes. I mentioned this before. Uh, This uh, Hollywood compulsion of always showing us some really horribly simulated sex, even in super high-budget films. Um, you know, this like it, it, it suddenly this multi million dollar production turns into like a cheesy Playboy movie <laughs> that you like because well, it's a choreography, it's a choreography. But they they right? probably don't have a choreographer, a sex choreographer, you know, Ex- exactly. Although, Which mm-hmm. probably at this point, now we someone should, we should, we should look into though. that. Yeah. yeah, no, no, do it like this. No, at this sure. point, I think they've started to finally well, have good, people. It who, is a choreography, so I understand you've had sex. This is a correct. profession, guys, <laughs> sex choreographer, yeah. We Man, can you you know you get <laughs> it it bars like you're it's that's it that's like, yeah. and you but have I, your own style too like, oh this is the Fred Nguyen choreographer like, <laughs> oh, oh I recognize Fred Nguyen's uh, style yeah, oh. yes this yeah, you uh, see this that the trademark coming out of her ass that's, that's, <laughs> that's John Woo it's like these wires these the wires uh, but yeah. I find like sex scenes are almost it's, it's never effective but it's exactly what you're saying that's exactly how I feel about sex scenes is that a lot of times you're like you could have just you know, when I see a movie Cut like Fate to Black, yeah. and the next day they're having coffee, I'm like, good on you. Yeah. And we don't need to see that. if you stayed on it. Unless you're going to tell something for the story. Like yeah. If, the if you well. stayed on it like a film like Shame. Uh, I where, haven't seen, but I've heard. Yeah. About it. So there, I mean, the film is about sex and sex addiction and everything. So, you know, I'm okay with that. You, you know, I'm just not going to watch the movie if that bothers me, right? But it's so, it's like, oh, I, this is the beat where we have to have two guys. <laughs> 
go at it with knives or two guys go at it period <laughs> um uh, so they should do that with sex scenes Right, like a lot of shaky cam, and you don't know who's winning, and, and at the end, shaky like, cam sex. <laughs> you don't know who's, I don't winning. Know who's winning. <laughs> I won. I sex. I won. I finished I'm first. The best at sex. <laughs> All right. So listen, uh, uh, maybe um, to just round this up uh, for today, because again, I think we've uh, just scratched the surface once again, and there's just so much more we can do. Um, you guys are come. You're gonna come back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, maybe just quickly. Um, or not so quickly talk about what you guys are working on now and what you guys are doing now uh, in terms of projects where we could see you things either finished or things that are going are coming down the pipeline um, well I got a lot of short films on in development okay um, they're being um, edited and stuff no like they're pre-production oh they're pre-production okay and different people I want to work with Sean inclu- uh, Sean being one of them and uh, we haven't decided yet exactly which one we're going to do but Fred and um, I have a lot of things on the yeah. back burner right now I mean every time we get together we're like oh we should do a film about this yeah. and it's always such a great idea but then it's you know time money script get all that together yeah we're all uh, we're all subject to a little bit of that but I definitely want to make another fan film a um, fan film specifically yes and uh, Fred and I have been discussing about two or three subjects that we think would be of interest there's one in particular that I think we're kind of agreed upon that would probably be the easiest to make and the most interesting so uh, more details to come on that when it solidifies. But I've got a, my own personal project I'm working on right now, a fight project that we're shooting with the drones to try to t- ch- t- check yeah, out the Yeah, yeah, I, I, I dig it, man, the drones. Which is super cool um, doing that. And I'm working on a, a new video game that's coming out, a sequel to a game that was pretty popular. I can't say the name, but I've got a pretty big part in it, which is amazing. So we just started readings for that. And uh, we're, we're going to be shooting mocap. It's a lot of that. NDAs that way. <laughs> yeah. At the end of... I, I could just use the word redacted. I mean redacted with redacted. The best redacted part of redacted. Okay. So I'm doing that. And i also uh, working on a cartoon show right now. And Can you tell us what that's called? Yeah, or? that's called uh, Two Nuts and a Richard. Two nuts and a Richard. Yeah, so get it. I like Wait, it. one, two. You would like it. Ah, can we oh, make it's it? Almost this show. Can we make it three nuts? It's basically <laughs> a, a cartoon adaptation of Les Grandes Gueules, which is the radio show, okay. but done in English. So I play one of the hosts of the show, one awesome. of the leads, and I play a whole bunch of secondary characters. And so you're gonna you're gonna play a guy talking to a mic. Mostly talking to my other radio host, and okay. then getting into all sorts of crazy. Well, there. Adventures. So we're training you right now. This is your training. Actually, I'm almost done the show, so. Uh, that was training for this. Fine, give us, give <laughs> us nothing. That's why I'm so good on this today. <laughs> give us nothing, Sean. Okay, but uh, otherwise, uh, people can see you now in season one and two of LARPs. LARPs. Yes, very much. Which yes. just wrapped? Season LARPs, two. Uh, season two, not one. Yes. I'm not in season one. Uh, season two of LARPs just wrapped, which is an amazing Yeah, show. don't watch season one. Uh, uh, season one's amazing, but uh, <laughs> season two is even better. Um, it's just, you know, bigger budget. And Our buddy Michael Treader was involved uh, in the yeah, first season. production values. So LARPs, which is great. And also, uh, you can look out for Fred and I in Deus Ex. Mankind Divided, when yeah. that comes out, probably and Rise of the Tomb Raider, few months, right. which is out already. Also. Rise of Tomb Raider. Yeah, we also worked on that as well. Yeah. Okay, so you guys are all over that stuff. That's great. Yeah, no, no speaking parts, but lots of secondary characters. Basically, if you see a guy getting taken down brutally by another guy and killed, usually with a gun, it's probably Fred getting yeah. killed by him. Okay. Sometimes with a spear or or an arrow. An arrow. Did I shoot you with an arrow? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> this I is gonna. I, be I remember you. getting shot in the head with an arrow. So no wonder he has oh, bad dreams. Dream. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> he's Throwing trying to defend himself from all these <laughs> executions. Sean's coming to get me. <laughs> but uh, well, these are gonna make great stories for your grandkids one day. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. you old man. <laughs> Back when the consoles weren't in our eyeballs yet. 
back when before <laughs> VR, <laughs> before before whatever the hell it is, like before chip dreams, yeah. uh, we, chip we dreams. used to have. I don't know. It sounds like a thing. Sounds like. cool. Chip dreams. Chip dreams. There you go. Uh, dot com. So okay, cool. So we'll uh, we'll make sure to post all those links. I'm thinking a cool um, reunion. Uh, I'm not sure when. Batman versus Super, excuse me, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice comes out. March, I think. In March. Yeah, only March. Okay. Well, we'll hope to maybe snag you guys before that. But if not, oh we definitely have to come back and oh and and uh, and get my opinion on Star Wars. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, if you watched it by Superman, if if you watched it by then, yeah. But uh, Ip Man three is coming out next week. Are you excited oh, about that? Yeah, well. I'm, I'm so hyped for that. Yeah, it, the, it, the first Ip Man I saw was uh, I really enjoyed. It. The second one I think I uh, was a little bit lighter because they're running kind of out of stories to tell well, at that point. The first half of the second one was really good. Yeah. And then, uh, the other the half wasn't as good, but I still enjoyed it. Yep. Um, Donnie Yen man. Is actually, uh, fucking awesome. today is the one year anniversary of. Uh, Darren Shalavi's passing, who played Twister in Ip Man 2. Really? So, yeah. Uh, he passed That's away true. a year, year ago yeah. from today. Already. It's huh. been a year. Yeah. It's crazy, man. People are dropping. Yeah. So let's uh, hope that stops. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if death will uh, stop. I don't think that's going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just realized how ridiculous that was. Not if we have anything to do about it. I mean, it. We're, we're trying to, we're working on something, but. Yeah, you know, but it might be a while. Yeah, well, that's really yeah maybe. Uh, 15 that's why years we're testing my death so many times, me and Sean. See what, what works. works. <laughs> or your guys are completely desensitizing yourselves, so when the day comes, you're like, hey, yeah, sure. whatever. Uh, I've done this already. Fred died, okay. whatever. Yeah. I've died wait, a thousand times. Wait, we have to do a second take, Fred? <laughs> Fred? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's asleep. Mm. All right, guys. So listen, thank you so much for coming out, Sean. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you yeah, for having me, man. It's been a real pleasure, and I like I said, we'll see you soon. I feel we could have uh, done another three hours easily oh, yeah, for sure. and talked about all kinds. Yeah, we will. Well, um, <laughs> some total eventually we'll get to three hours. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, so thank you for coming out. All right, man. Fire in see the hole. See you guys soon. Yeah. Fire in the hole. If you enjoy the Fire in the Hole podcast, um, there's just a couple of really easy ways to make sure that we keep putting them out. Um, and, you know, how can they do that, Richard? Just uh, subscribe on iTunes, uh, leave us a review if you can, and, and rate, and that's the best way you can help out. Yeah, yeah please feel free to leave comments uh, and to interact with us. Uh, every time you do, uh, if you make your uh, presence felt, it raises the visibility and the, uh, the presence of our show. And uh, we love doing these shows, and if you love them, let us know how you feel. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Ready, aim, punish. The Punisher for Nintendo. Explosive arcade action. State-of-the-art weaponry. Got the guts? The Punisher for Nintendo from LJN. Everything's a target. Even you.